Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. Hello guys and welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world-wondering stardom. I'm your host Rob Goodwin. Happy New Year, happy 2023 and what a better way to bring in that new year than to be talking about 
all things stardom dream queendom 2022 and what better way to do that than with perhaps the most unofficial member of our stardom cast family but you know what many perceive to be the hulk hogan to our scott hall and kevin nash and you know all those kind of things we've got karen peterson back karen how are you I'll take that compliment minus the racism because <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, Hogan, Why don't we just yes. say the freedom? Why don't we just say we're the freedom? I was going to, and then my head she's went. She's the EO. You're definitely the Mayu. That would make me the Kari. <laughs> Look at that. There, there you go. I'll, 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 I'll be your EO, Shirai. That's fine. <laughs> Stay on brand here, buddy. <laughs> I had one job. We lasted 30 seconds into the podcast. We're already off the rails. Oh, come on. <sighs> Damn it. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm glad to be back on the stardom cast with y'all <laughs> so great to have you on karen always great having you on you we uh you know the first time we had john we had a great reception from our audience and once we made the announcement you're coming back for the do the review of the big show you know it was a it was a huge pop with us so uh you know thanks so much for uh for coming back and talking to us with this uh fantastic show we're about to review of course my pleasure yeah, absolutely. Um, before we start, then, obviously, we've now rung in 2023. Um, how did our respective New Year's Eves go, Karen? Um, hopefully that didn't contribute to you being ill. No. Oh, good. The, it, it was the every year, probably once like Thanksgiving rolls around, it's like trying to wrap up the academic the academic year before, you know, winter break comes in. So it was just go, 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 go. And then, you know, when you go, 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 go and you stop. That's when all the go, 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 going catches up and it just, I get, I get taken out for two weeks. So my whole yeah. winter vacation was just pajamas and, you know, relaxing. Uh, New Year's Eve was great. It was just animal crossing, uh, some champagne and cupcakes with me and my dog. Nothing too eventful, but you know, a nice, a nice, lovely, nonchalant, low key one. Honestly, that sounds like the most ideal New Year's Eve I've ever heard in my life. Like that sounds incredible. Pajamas, super cozy time. I mean, I like it. <laughs> what, what could possibly go wrong? Um, Matt, were you in your pajamas playing Animal Crossing or were you on a, a bender or what? It was a wild scene at the Turner household here. It was crazy. I had a beer around 8.30, 9 o'clock. I fell asleep at 10. <laughs> I woke up at 11.55. My wife and my and the two cats were snuggled up with her on the opposite couch. And... Um, we went to go watch the ball drop, and I'm a big fan of college football. So the one game was on, and it literally came right down to the wire. It was 42 to 41, and the Ohio State was getting ready to kick a field goal. I don't have – I like Notre Dame. They're, I think they finished 20th regardless. And um, even the commentator said they better get this field goal off soon because the ball is about to drop in about 30 seconds. I switched over to one of the channels for the ball to drop, and my wife, to my surprise, said, no, 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 I want to see if this guy makes the field goal. As soon as he kicked it, this thing was closer to hitting my house than it was the field goal post. God bless this guy. 50 million people watching, probably 19, 20-year-old kid. As soon as we flip back, uh, we missed the ball drop. But, it's, you know, I mean, you've seen it once. You've seen it a thousand times. Gave, uh, gave you know, I'm a romantic. Gave the little midnight kiss, and by 10 after 12, we were in bed asleep. That's outstanding. Wild times, my man. Well done. <laughs> I, I'd love to counteract both these by saying that, you know, it was just a wild, a wild night that I'm still on, but no. Um, I could have quite easily gone to bed at 8 o'clock. Um, I'd watched Rambo 2 and Rambo 3 because, you know, <laughs> Just one Sylvester Stallone film isn't enough for Goodwin. Um, and then we just progressively bought the the uh, the new year in by moaning about how tired we were, which 
is about as British a New Year as you can possibly get. But uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, everyone else that's listening or watching our faces, hello, um, it had a lovely New Year, had a lovely Christmas, and uh, hopefully you've got lots of exciting things planned for 2023, especially as we are, as you are listening or watching this, as we are on the eve of Wrestle Kingdom 17, which is incredibly exciting. And also a little bit of a sore spot for me because it's the first year I'm back in work for Wrestle Kingdom, so I cannot watch it live, which is just brutal. Absolutely brutal. It was one of the high points of my year, is getting up early, having a McDonald's breakfast, and watching Wrestle Kingdom. But not this year. Not this year. I did the day off work. And we have Triangle Derby. Um, we do have Also as Derby. well, back-to-back, because Stardom doesn't give us enough pay-per-view, so... <laughs> Yes, that was going to be bought up. <laughs> and, and enough tournaments, right? Another, enough round-robin tournaments. Absolutely. All tournaments. Give it to me all. I don't care. <laughs> Give it to me. Well, I didn't realize. Absolutely, which it will be, but I didn't realize that the final, I think, is, is, is it slated for the 4th of March, the final? Um, yes. Which coincides with roughly the start of the Cinderella, which is it's just going to be one <laughs> huge slab of uh, of tournament wrestling and stardom but hey that's absolutely fine by me um before we delve into dream queendom which i think we can all agree had some incredible matches on and one in particular which is possibly one of the greatest stardom matches i've ever seen um matt talk to us about what is coming up on our patreon Oh, you're going to be excited, sir, because for the white belt tier uh, Patreon, the bi-weekly reviews that we did, the winners uh, at the end of the month is going to be Starlight Kid High Speed Run. But coming up in two weeks on the Patreon feed, Rob Goodwin, are you ready? Go on. Yeah. H-A-N-A-N, Hannah. We're going to be doing the future of stardom, the best theme song in all of wrestling. It is. Uh, the future of The future of stardom. Hunter run will be up uh just uh just yesterday was posted the uh the watch along or alternate commentary we did and just worked out perfectly the we wrestle kingdom theme so uh i did um solo as you were away there good sir i did uh mk sisters reuniting for one night uh last year at the tokyo dome mayu and starlight kid taking on the team of sai kamatani and one tam nakano and then coming up this next week mr rob goodwin as i alluded to you i believe just yesterday we're going to be doing the alternate commentary to the main event of uh, Year in Climax 2015 as Io Shirai challenges Mako Satomaru for the World of Stardom Championship. I know one of my favorite mm-hmm. uh, Stardom matches of all time and yours as well. So I think it'd be a good way to start the new year with uh, with that match. Absolutely. Fantastic match. I honestly cannot wait for that. Um, before, just final thing, before we delve in, I did put up the uh, ballot for the Stardomcast end of year awards last night, ridiculously late because I 100% did. I noticed that. It came I, at like nine o'clock my time, which I'm like, that's like three o'clock his time. What's he doing? It was one of them where I was like, <laughs> right, I need to post it. And then remembered that I hadn't done the tag match category. So everything else was done. And then I was like, oh my God, I forgot all the tag matches. And then trying to fill out this ballot having forgotten every single tag match that's happened in stardom um, was a little bit of a nightmare, but I did get it done. Um, obviously, it's already... What a workhorse. Right. I know, what a workhorse, folks. I know, tell me about it. Um, so all eight categories are up there. Thank you to everyone that's already submitted their uh, their ballots, which fantastic. Thank you. The link is 
pinned to the top of our um, Twitter account um, and the votes close on the 10th of January and me and Matt will announce the winners and what our picks would be as well. Um, We'll be announcing those, the podcast afterwards. So please go. You've got until the 10th of January to fill in that ballot. Um, Karen, I'd love to finish this podcast after we've talked about this. I'd love to get your thoughts on some of those categories as well, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, Now, we're here to talk about Dream Queendom. So let's delve headlong into this show. Before I go into the attendance and some things regarding that, Karen, I'm really interested because obviously last time we spoke, I don't think the full card had been announced for Dream Queendom. When you saw the card, and obviously as we are building up to this show, what were your thoughts on the card itself? Were you excited? Were there some eyebrows raised? You know, you've got Misaki in the semi-main. You've got a heavy reliance on maybe outside talent and things like that, rather than sort of going for your marquee matches, um, say for maybe Suri and Julia. What were your thoughts when you saw the announcements? I think my my biggest frustration is that there, like you said, there was a lot of outside talent or, you know, special contractors that have been coming in recently and it kind of eclipsed most of the roster. Mm-hmm. It just felt like some matches were shoehorned on there just to get everybody on the card. So the fans weren't upset about it. Um, personally, I didn't particularly agree with Nanae Takahashi and you winning the Goddess Tag League. I'm very team my Hime. So neither did we. Neither did we. <laughs> they 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 arguably should have won the tournament and yeah. been the ones to face uh you know Meltier in that match, but can't change the past. Maybe nope. maybe their time is coming soon. Um, but also it was the I understand why they try to make it the biggest show of the year and having those kinds of matches and you know all those title defenses are part of that. But at the same time, it was I felt like they were trying to protect way too many people mm-hmm. because you were bringing in non-stardom talent that were either going to eat the loss or take take the belts off of a particular uh, group while protecting some people in the group, but not all people in the group. <laughs> or in the example of the, the artist belts, they put the belts on prominence and prominence is in the tag derby. So I don't understand what was the point of doing that other than to give prominence a whole bunch of work to do other mm-hmm. <laughs> moving into 2023. Uh, yeah. I just, if, if you, if you happen to come across my review of the event from post, I, I was not as kind to this, this year's queendom as I was to last year's just because I, I didn't feel like they should have had this many outside talents coming in to occupy the top half of the card. I think both me and you, Matt, have said that at different points, haven't we? That there are still matches to be extremely excited about on this card. Um, sure. But when you consider that people like Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki are in a throwaway six-woman tag second on the card, um, you've got Saika Matani defending the white belt against, you know, no disrespect to Umasaki at all. Umasaki is a tremendous talent. Is she second from the top at a sumo hall? talent i'm i'm not 100 percent sure um and then of course there was the rather contentious decision like you alluded to karen about the goddess of stardom tag league um and then the result that ultimately came about uh during the goddess of stardom tile match which we will of 
definitely be talking about uh, and i can't wait to hear matt's thoughts i have a few theories <laughs> yeah. i have a few theories i kind of understood I. Man. and i i think i'm the only one here that watched the show live would i be correct uh yes yeah i oh, yes. I, cannot, I, I oh twitter I, I was so sleep. angry twitter <laughs> was so angry i can't wait to get to it i felt like i had to give virtual hugs <laughs> <laughs> no man, I'm in my 40s. Like, I, I don't want to look haggard and like hungover for 40s just b- by watching wrestling. So I picked sleep and was like, keep the keep the social media closed. Watch it without any distractions. I was I literally finished watching it today. Um, I I'd saved Suri and Julia because I was like, I know who wins. Thank you, Twitter. Um, and thank you, I told Google. you, as soon as the show was over, I said, stay off Twitter. Honestly, was I stayed off, stay off Twitter, Twitter initially, and then it came up at the bottom of my Google. I was like, what is going on here? Why is Google conspiring against me? That means it's a big show. History-making moment. Google's like, hey, man, get <laughs> hey, on the Google machine. We got the scoops. You know, the, like, the animated thing at the top that changes for certain days. Uh, next year on the 29th it's going to be just julia with the red belt um (laughs) spoilers um no it'll be tam because tam's gonna be the one chasing the red belt this year you know it is a 100 100 the the thought we will get on to our review in a moment but the (laughs) (laughs) we got completely distracted but um stay 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 tuned with us folks (laughs) the thought of who um obviously if you're listening to this you know the result of the main event hopefully if you don't pause this watch the main event then come back to this podcast um but the thought of who Julia has got in terms of dream matches with this red belt is an extremely exciting prospect heading into 2023. I mean, Karen, you mentioned Tam. The amount of people like Mayu, Yutami, Momo, all these people, potential rematches with Suri, it's going to be an extremely exciting 2023. Um, But before we talk about the main event, because we are going to be talking a lot about the main event, let's delve into the undercard. Uh, This show, of course, happened Thursday, the 29th of December from Sumo Hall. I'm not going to do the Mayu Iwatani impression of trying to pronounce Rhea Goku. Um, In front of 3,869 people. Now, if you discount the disputed final number from 2013's Rio Goku show, which was supposedly around 5,500 people, but quite a few people believe it to be closer to around 2,500. Um, this is the largest soul stardom attendance. Obviously, they drew a huge number for Historic Crossover, but that was a New Japan promoted show as well. This 3,869 fans that turned up to Sumo Hall is the largest stardom attendance aside from that 2013 show. Um, Just to put into some manner of context, um, the other Sumo Hall dates that stardom have run in the last two years, World Climax Night 1 got 2,000 712 night two was a shade over 3000 and dream queendom 2021 was 3039 people so we are over 800 people more than the same event last year um it's also the third largest 2022 attendance at sumo hall um with only new japan's declaration of power and the hyper battle show which sword um which had kazuchika okada and zack saber jr in the main event they're the only two shows to draw more at sumo hall so a big attendance for stardom i'm surprised that they drew so well i'm surprised because of the reasons we mentioned before with the undercard however a lot of this i feel has to go on the back of just how hot the julia and suri match is matt 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the the main event was probably the the main drawing card there. But again, I mean, that undercard, as much as we were kind of like, we knew it would be good matches, but not to beat a dead horse we talked about two weeks ago when we did our preview. We knew they'd be good matches. We were kind of scratching our head like, this is kind of your big year-end show. Like, what's going on here? At the same time, we were drawing almost 4,000 people. I guess it worked. Again, Mm -hmm. give a lot of the credit to Shuri and Julia, but we also got to give credit to everything else on the undercard. Rossio Godwin started them. They presented a product that obviously people wanted to see. And not only were was that show pretty well full in Sumo Hall, but a lot of people were talking about it, which means a lot of people watching on pay-per-view or just watching it as it just came up uh, on Stardom World as well. So, you know, kudos to them. So whatever they did clearly worked. Mm, absolutely. Um, we start then with the Stardom Rumble. Now, the reason I'm a little bit confused is because this was initially set as the pre-show match, but wasn't available on YouTube, which was really confusing. Um, And then (laughs) there's the weird decision uh, to crown joint winners with the debuting Super Strong Giant Stardom Machine and the Super Strong Stardom Machine uh, winning the 14-person Stardom Rumble uh, by both last eliminating Miyu Amasaki and then declaring some sort of no contest in 20 minutes and 53 seconds. Um, Karen, I would love to hear your thoughts on this rumble. Um, yeah, as you noted, the for some reason, the YouTube stream didn't have the rumble on it, but the iPay-Per-View link did. I don't know why. Usually no. they give the rumble away. It, the rumble wasn't listed as a dark match. They had been advertising it as part of the pre-show. Uh the, my more than the you know super strong stardom and giant stardom machine my problem was with kikutaro being in the oh match my god uh I it was text the, immediately it, from rob yeah. it was yes. the same problem i had with him in like when he was in the all-star cinderella rumble back yeah. in 2021 to his credit he didn't put his hands on anyone but it was kind of like he was a creepy, lecherous old man in the ring, you know, making grabby hands and kissy faces. And it just made me feel very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Kikutaro. I think I think he's a great comedy wrestler and he was exceptionally professional. But at the same time, I'm like, it was just like, is there anybody else? Is there not anyone else that they could have put in this match? That they had to, you know, they could have called people from Marvelous. They could have called people from other promotions. Hmm. Kikutaro did not need to be in this match. It just felt like weird middle-aged man fan service. But also, it it literally made my skin crawl. I was just like, this is not, I'm not okay with this. Especially when you have like 20-year-old Miyu Amasaki fighting him off. I mean, I appreciated her kicking him when that ref's head was turned. But I'm like, are they turning Miyu heel? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if that's I mean, the way they turned Miyu heel. I'm a pretty yeah, sure. By, <laughs> by like, you know, ringing his doorbell when the ref's back is turned. But I'm just like, this is not... <sighs> yeah, and then the referee tried calling a double no contest. And they're like, no, no, make us double winners. And I'm just like, I feel like there was a miscommunication as to what the actual finish of this match was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Or it was just, they were trying to make it you know, give, give good old super strong starter machine a win. But now it's like, does super strong starter machine start a faction of other super strong starter <laughs> machines? Like, I, I mean, we, we've got like giant, we've got mm-hmm. standard, or we have like super tall or super long or ju- <laughs> jumbo. High, high, like, speed. high speed. High speed. Oh my gosh. But it's, it's one of those things like, what, what was the point? Because you could have yeah. put Miyu Amasaki over in this match. I don't understand why they didn't. What I thought was going to happen, and I'll throw to you, of course, in a moment, Matt. What I thought was going to happen was because 
obviously one of the biggest things that's going on in the undercard at the moment is Wakasuki Armour and the upped yes. stakes of um, sort of she needs to find that victory before you know th- I think it's March she needs to get it before otherwise she's no longer part of Cosmic Angels and I thought we were going to really because she got a couple of joint pinfalls during this match and I thought maybe she's going to go to the final two and get pipped to the post by Miyu Amasaki or someone like that. Get so close, but not quite. And I thought that would have told a far better story and would have been a much better use of the Stardom Rumble than to just throw Sex Pest Kikitaro in there, which, again, like you mentioned before, uh, Karen, obviously, Matt, you weren't on the podcast, it was me and Chris, and both of us had huge issues with Kikitaro being a part of it. He was obviously a lot more touchy-feely at Budokan um but here i just felt like it was a it it was at complete odds with the rest of the rumble like it wasn't like there was other comedy wrestlers like at least at budokan and i'm not vindicating kikitaro under any circumstances but at least there was other comedy sort of wrestlers in there there was other comedy spots whereas this it was a very straight laced rumble right up until the introduction of super strong giant stardom machine um so I don't really understand what they were doing with that. And then to have Wacker and people like that eliminated in the most bizarre circumstances by, again, this be-masked, touchy-feely old man just felt in really, really, really poor taste. I wasn't a massive fan of it, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say any more than both uh, that you two did. Uh, I completely agree. I mean, it it, it is what it is. Um as far as the uh, battle royal goes, I think it was because it's on pre-show. I don't think it's made made to take so serious. Mm. Um, the machine. Anytime I see the machines winning, especially the new one, because they has the black mask. It reminds me when I first started watching wrestling in the eighties. The machines were a big thing, mm. and like I was three or four years old, and it's just like I think that's on the gene. I'm like, okay, that's got to be Hulk Hogan and the Piper machine. I'm like, that's got to be the Piper machine. So I, anytime I saw, especially when I saw the you know the giant machine that may or may not be lady c come out with that colored mask it reminded me when i first started watching wrestling way way uh when ago so uh it ended on with me like with a smile on my face as we go into the high speed championship match but yeah i see your point of view where they could have done something like that with waka kind of building her up towards there and just getting ever so close she's getting closer because technically she got i guess like a half a pinfall three or four times so she's getting she's getting closer so yeah, we shall see what happens, um, what's going to happen with that with the Cosmic Angels. And again, I have a theory on that once we get into it. As, as do I. I have a theory about that as well. Ooh, here we Intriguing. go, Intriguing. Intriguing. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bring that up at the end of the uh, the Pink Kabuki reunion matches. I imagine that's probably where our, our uh, Bingo. theories are going uh, <laughs> <laughs> to <gonna> converge. <laughs> um, we open the main card, I think. Depending yes, on whether right. you class yes. the start and rumble as the pre-show, we opened with the high-speed championship match with Azumi, the champion, defeating Hikari Shimizu with the Numera Uno in 9 minutes and 39 seconds. And in the process, tying Mayu's record of nine successful title defenses in a single reign. Um, Matt, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match. Obviously, I wasn't really well-versed in Shimizu heading into this match, but I thought... She worked really, really well with Zoomy. Yeah, I, I was um, day or two before I started going through some stuff over here, stuff on YouTube. So I kind of got myself a little familiar with uh, Shimizu. 
Uh, I was blown away by what I saw uh, on YouTube and really blown away by what I saw with Azumi. Uh, it's Azumi. She's one of the best wrestlers of the year in any promotion. And I like how they started the show off with a high-speed championship match. Usually they don't get to the title matches other than the future until later. So I think they really started, again, if you want to classify the Battle Royals pre-show, but I guess as the main show, they started this one off with a bang. And Shimizu did a really great job holding up with the Zumi. There was even one part when she was trying to, uh, they were on the outside, and she tied a T-Gray into the, uh, between the second and third rope, uh, the front roll, and she almost got caught on her ponytail a little. And it kind of stuck her there for half a second and azumi just happened to look back and saw her and was like if somebody's following you on the road to go somewhere you're like okay are you ready okay let's go to the next spot so it was like just go to show you how great azumi is in that role as leader at the age of 20 even though she's been wrestling for like 10 11 years that there was just that little spot because it's high speed and if you're off just a split second it's going to mess up your timing it's going to mess up your ring positioning but she saw that she was kind of just froze her just for a second because she got kind of got caught on her ponytail there and then was able, you know, without even a whim, went right back to everything. And then I liked how the psychology of the match was Izumi as the high speed was starting to slow down. She's looking for the arm. You know, if you've seen the Izumi matches, she builds to where she's working for the arm to go for the numero uno. And every time she would get it, she would get rolled up into a pin. And then, of course, you do those really fast one counts or no counts or two counts where, God bless, the referee probably has to be blown up <laughs> at the end of this. He needs some oxygen because it's like, holy geez. And then it gets to the to the point where they're building towards the finish. And Shimizu has Azumi so close so many times that she tries a desperation roll-up. And when she does, she stuck her arm in there. It's all Azumi needed. She got risk control. She got position. She put it away. I thought this was the perfect match to set the tone. Mm. Um, obviously, we'll, and obviously, we will get into it after the Pink Kabuki match. But with Shimizu being a part of Colors, I also believe she's a part of like the second tier of Cosmic Angels. I hope in 2023 that we see more of her uh in stardom because i thought she was fantastic and for star ratings i had this one at a uh four stars great way to start the show uh Karen, what do you think of this i believe that azumi Pison is criminally underrated i i know that she's like the queen of high speed and that's like her gimmick that you know the high speed bomb girl but man what i would give to see her with the white belt oh. i want to see her with the white belt so badly um what i love about this match with Shimizu is that, you know, Hikari Shimizu went to CMLL as part of Ice Ribbon in an exchange program back in October, September, October of last year, of 2022. Mm. And you could see that she tends to be one of the more quieter members of colors. She, even though she, she's very peppy and very cutesy, she's, she's far more you know toned down i guess if you stand anyone next to saki who's like the kawaii <laughs> queen of the kawaii it's kind of hard not to be <laughs> toned down but i thought that her experience in her time in mexico probably contributed to her ability to keep up and to put her name on a lot of people's radars because mm. you know she's one she's one of the members of colors that doesn't really show up on stardom as much you know saki yeah. has been the the central figure representing in 2022 um and I love the fact that, you know, Azumi finally has tied Mayu's record. My only concern is they're like, you know, stardom loves to build people up and like on a, on a, on a hot streak. And just when they're about to shatter the longest running record, they give them an opponent that will either make or break their, uh, their run. And I guess either yesterday or early this morning, they announced that on January 8th, Azumi will be defending against Starlight Kid who recently lost her belt. So oh, it's the wow. 
I love Starlight Kid. She's yeah. one of my absolute favorites. But when you put her in a match and she doesn't have a belt, it's like, oh, they're going to put the belt on her again. So I don't know if they're going to let them let Azmi do, you know, get that time limit draw or if it's going to be congratulations on almost becoming the trendsetter in a division that you've carried for the last three years, but game over. So. <laughs> and she hasn't defended against Starlight Kid. Yeah, I'm just looking at her. Uh her sort of title defenses. She's Koguma, Natsupoi, Mesa Koguma again, Tekla, Momokogo, Rina, Fukun Death, Hazuki, uh, Momoka Hanazono, and then of course Shimizu as well. It obviously Starlight Kid and Hazumi had one of the singles matches of the year from Cinderella Journey and Nagaoka. Um fantastic match, really, really, really high praise. Their eternal foes, you know, as um as emphasized by Starlight Kids move of the same name. It would it would be the perfect the perfect opportunity to have Azumi get one over on another one over, should I say, on Starlight Kid and then break the record as well. Because a lot of their feud was based around the high speed belt initially anyway. And you know, obviously Starlight Kids horrendous statistics heading into that belt, something like oh <laughs> oh for seven or something as she uh, eight time was the charm yeah. or something like that buddy well it, it helps when you know the the person she's competing against has like five years up on her <laughs> in the experience department it, it's just the i want to be optimistic that i mean i, I can't deny it's going to be a great match regardless Absolutely, but at the same time i'm just like for the love of god let her just let let her have this yeah. let her have this she can she can lose it after that and then go after the white belt but for now just just let Azumi like, do something that's not going like, to keep her forever in the background of Queen's Quest. <laughs> Absolutely, because Azumi is sort of she is high speed. She is that belt personified. She, if anyone deserves to beat that Mayu record, it is Azumi. So fingers crossed. I can see it being. I think the she's going to. I think it's. Gonna I think be she's a going to draw. If I'm being yeah. perfectly honest. I think it might be the old Rossi Ogawer. Um, oops, I've booked myself into a corner. TLD, baby. <laughs> no, no, he loves Starlight Kid too much. He protects her way too oh, much. Yeah, he does. He, he does. He does. You're absolutely right. But we've got to be positive. We've got to be positive. I do yeah, think that Azumi... Great match. Yeah, it's a fantastic match. Really good match. I do think that Azumi will win, he says, through clenched teeth, because he's not entirely sure. But he... I think it'll be a fantastic match, and I do think that Azumi will take it to 10 titles. So defenses. me and you are agreeing that Azumi's going to win, so you know what that means. Oh, crap, Starlight Kid's going to win. <laughs> Our yeah, predictions are crap. I, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for a time limit draw. <laughs> oh, no. Right. If you okay. ever see me and Rob in a casino, Karen, which is uh, hard because we're on opposite ends of the world, but and we're at the roulette table, whatever we're betting on, and we agree, bet the opposite. Yeah, you will be a millionaire by the oh, end no, of the night. Oh, no, I'll be dragging you away from the table because I'm just as bad. Like, it's, it's like, <laughs> It's like multiple, like whenever he's like multiple choice tests, I'm the one I would get it down to two and then inevitably always pick the wrong answer. Always. So I'll, I'll be your run in, I'll come save you both from yourselves. Yes. <laughs> um, we had an announcement following this match that Stardom All Star Dream Queendom 2023 will emanate from the Yokohama Arena on April the 23rd. Third, marking the first time that Stardom has ever run the venue. I did like the video package, how it went through these huge historic venues that Stardom have run over the last year. Um, it's It will host the second night of Wrestle Kingdom 17 on, I believe, the 21st of January. It was when Noah and New Japan did their sort of third 
a third unofficial Wrestle Kingdom 16 night, and that drew about 7,000 people, I believe. It's one of the biggest indoor arenas in Japan, an apparent capacity of about 17,000. Um, in terms of indoor arenas, there's only the Saitama Super Arena, the M-Wave in Nagano, and the Yamada Green Dome listed as being able to hold more. So this is going to be a huge huge show for stardom and i hope he says that we are going to get some huge huge matches i do have a theory when it comes to the white belt um but we will see and again i'll get into my theory surrounding the white belt and this show when we get to uh sai kamatani's defense in the semi-main matt yeah i actually did a little research on on this building the yokohama arena and the date of that show is almost 30 years to the date when all Japan women ran their dream slam show and drew over 16,000 people there. There you go. So there you go. I look at me doing a little research, <laughs> trying to be like you buddy. <laughs> Other than just watching matches. <laughs> uh, Karen. But, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I, I thought you'd finished. No, I'm done. Ta- oh. Karen tag. You're in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'd misheard you. Did you say it was all-star dream queendom or all-star grand queendom? all-star grand queendom? Okay. I was like, I know I'm like, I know I'm sitting right here listening to what's going on, but I'm like, did he, did I, did I miss here? So I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't. To be <laughs> fair, there is a, there is the possibility that I did say that by accident. So please don't worry. <laughs> I am that sort of person that will type it in my notes and then go, yeah, I'll, I'll read that. Why not? Um, but yeah, it should be, like I say, I think we are going to get a huge Juliet title defense. I think we're going to get, a pivotal wide belt. I feel like we have to. It's it's a huge venue, and if you want to be drawing huge numbers, you need to be providing huge matches. I mean, that could be something where we see potentially Julia versus Mayu Iwatani for the red belt. Maybe Julia versus Tam. They've proved that that's a drawing match. Julia Utami. Julia Utami is another option. I feel like it has to be a big main event at the very, very least. But we'll we'll see if. If I had to press you, Karen, what sort of red level, red belt match would you want to see? It all depends on whether or not a certain rumored talent that may or may not be showing up on Wednesday (laughs) is going to be working only in one company or in both companies. Mm. I wonder where you could be going with that. Uh, can I touch upon it? May I touch upon it? Of course you can. So if Ms. Mercedes Vernado, Monet Banks, Monet Money, whichever name she's using, if, if her involvement with the IWGP women, the room, sorry, the rumored involvement (laughs) of the IWGP women's championship, if that's part of the plan seeing as they're t- like the rumor is that bushy road is forking the bill for this if bushy road is digging their pockets out for this individual it is likely that she could and i'm saying could not definite because i don't work at either company <laughs> <laughs> she could arguably be someone who could be included on this show whether and it, but at the same time it's the would I like to see her versus Julia for the World of Stardom Championship? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then we get back into the argument, are we? Are they going to bring in too many big names and forsake their own roster? Utami would be a great shout, but Utami's had the belt. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need it. I would want either a special one-time, you know, visitor 
a la either Vernardo, I mean, Kyrie will hopefully knock on wood, still be IWGP women's champion by then, <laughs> um, or some other big name. I don't know if they could get anybody from AEW like a Tony Storm, because Tony Storm is one of the most beloved former Red Belt champions mm. in stardom. It all depends, but it would be the, I would want someone that has a connection to stardom if they're going to bring somebody from outside, whether it's a former talent. I mean, if they were to bring back Io Shirai, I wouldn't be mad about that. Or sorry, oh, God. Io Sky. Oh, I'm going to faint. I'm going to faint. <laughs> I mean. Sky hot over here in the Turner house. So. If, if, if I'm going to put, put <laughs> my, 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 my wish list upon wish list for this like giant 30th anniversary of this particular date, I don't know. Throw a boatload of Bushy Road money at new, at a mm-hmm. WWE and be like, just just send us back, EO. You didn't let us have her at All Star Dream Cinderella in 2021 for our 10th anniversary. For for the love of God, just let her ha- let us have this, please and thank you. I mean, Noah have proved that WWE are willing to do business in the case of Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, it just depends on the the situation. Exactly. And I don't I don't know if they would consider this big enough of an event to contribute to it. But I mean, could you imagine them sending Io and Asuka and Mako Satomura? Oh my god! And I mean, if it's gonna be, it's gonna be that big of an event. If okay. WWE could just play ball just this one time, <laughs> I'm not asking for much. They're, they're never, they're never gonna give me Mako Satomura versus Asuka at a WrestleMania. Apparently, let not, me have no. it at this at this dream grand super duper all slam Cinderella, whatever you want to call it. Just let me have this one win for Christ's sake. Um, Rob, me and Karen are now best friends. I just want to let you know. She puts <laughs> all this fine. hope in my heart. All this hope in my heart. Unbelievable. I... Ia was in Japan for a couple days during the holidays. Well, you know, she they, they do give them, like, w- winter vacation. And I think now that Japan's opened up, they're allowing the Japanese talent to actually go, you know, see their family after, like, four years or whatever. And her contract was up in the end of the summer, and there was very heavy rumors that she was going back to stardom. Maybe that was part of her deal was like, cause obviously the old regime, I'm not going to say his name, the old regime's out. And obviously they're more open to working with people. Maybe EO said, Hey, look, you know, I would like to go back and work a show or two in stardom. And I don't think stardom, especially how good the booking has been the last few years. I don't think they booked this huge venue without knowing that we're getting Sasha Banks, that we're not getting EO Shirai. I did hear rumors that, they um they've been working with Mako Satomura to bring in the Sendai girls. I believe that's her promotion that she owns or runs or or whatever. She, she established it, but it mm. was I think when she joined NXT UK, she had to relinquish that ownership. Um, but as far as I know, when Io Shirai went to main roster, they probably tacked on an extension to her contract. Meaning, it I don't think I I, I mean as Io Sky, I believe she's still fully contract for the foreseeable future. And you know, they're not like whenever there's a oh, so-and-so's contract is up. Unless that individual, it says, yes, my contract is up or, or here are my next moves. I don't I don't go by the, oh, they're already a free agent because they're not. <laughs> She's not. I mean, we had all that with Switchway Jay White a couple of years ago, didn't we? Oh, he's a free agent. He's going to turn up in, he's going to turn up with the Royal Rumble. And then he didn't. And it was a, a huge, huge hot air for no reason. Um, He'd I mean, be great in WWE, by the way, but that's would. neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
I am a huge Jay White mark. I know he's very, very polarizing, but I love him. Um, I will say, though, Karen, that if there is ever an opportunity in Bushy Road to name their events, I definitely think you should go for that job because the All Star Super Duper Grand Slam big thing <laughs> might be the greatest star like event ever. It, it's going to go all the way down the back of a shirt, kind of like Super Califragilisticexpialidocious. And they're going to have like somebody like poor Excalibur. They're going to bring him in just to read that all in one breath. <laughs> oh, and then like vanish into the ether. <laughs> I'd love it. I mean, there are there are limitless possibilities. Um, obviously, the issue that they have with Eo Sky in terms of you know, in comparison to Shinsuke, Shinsuke isn't really being used on SmackDown. He's not a champion, which I believe Eo Sky is still one half of the tag champs with them. Um, not Dakota. Dakota Kai. Kai. Oh, she is Dakota Kai. Yes, she is. Um, so it depends and obviously damage control are being used a lot more than shinsuke is as well i would love to see it i think there is far more of a chance of mako satamora making an appearance um whether she goes for the red belt or whether that is another iwgp women's um challenger for Kyrie at that point i think that'd be great if you are making this your big show i mean if you if if you can get io shirai if You've got to do it. You throw all the money you possibly can because if you want a match that is guaranteed to draw money, it is Io Shirai coming back to Japan. I mean, look at the numbers that Kyrie did and look at the buzz that Kyrie coming back did. And no disrespect to Kyrie Hojo whatsoever. Io Shirai is a bigger name. Like, without a shadow of a doubt. I don't think anyone can argue that point. She comes back, that's another in my opinion, 1,500 tickets. Good for you, Rob. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I thought Yo. I liked Io more than anybody. It's like she's going to sell out the building just on her name. 20,000 and Super Strong Machine. <laughs> That's the only match. <laughs> well, by that point, I'm sure, I'm sure the Super Strong Stardom Machines will be the tag champs. So uh, that's my thing. And they're going to be the trio's champs and the tag champs. They're going to have like, a whole stable of, of Strong Machines. And they're going to actually be members from every single faction. Oh, imagine. That would be incredible. Well, they're Somebody like, you get know, the Karen super, the book. Super, Super strong Alito machine. Book Karen's book and so- stardom. We're bringing in EO, Mako Statamora, Asuka. We're going to have the machines are running running the business. If, if Mr. Taka Aki Kidani is listening to the stardom cast, <laughs> tag him. I'm Tag-em. willing and able to field offers at this time. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you've already heard, you've already had just a small sample size of the events that she would create and the names she'd give them. So please, please get in touch. Um, <laughs> Before we get, I think we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the show as we as we go on. But match two on the main card was a Triangle Derby preview match with the team of Mayu Iwatani, Momokogo, and Hanan, who will be teaming in the Triangle Derby as H and M defeated the Hazuki, Sayurida, and Kogama team, which will be teaming as classmates. Uh, with Mayu winning with the Dragon Suplex in twelve minutes and four seconds. Now this was based almost solely around the tough mentorship from Hazuki towards Momo Kogo. Um, it was alluded to during the tag final by Mayu um, about how Hazuki had basically given up on uh, on Momo Kogo. Um, but we see it manifest massively here. And it made for, it made an otherwise throwaway tag match that little bit more compelling, Karen. Yeah, what I liked about this this match is that one, it's a preview for the next series. Mm. 
The good thing is that, you know, it, it is it is stars versus stars getting everybody on the card, but they're both in separate blocks. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a preview without actually having like stakes. Uh, I did love the fact that Hazuki just was basically like, I did not spend the last year of my career personally training you for you to clown around and do the Koguma pose when you're supposed to be wanting to be a serious wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, my only caveat with this is that it should have been a time limit draw because it already like automatically like puts the Mayu's team a step above uh, classmates mm. in that versus. I mean, I I know that if, and of course the only person that in that group that was going to eat that pin was going to be Saya or Momokogo. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Um, yeah, I I completely see why. Especially as it went 12 minutes anyway. You know, it only had three more minutes to go and then it was a time limit draw anyway. Um, Matt, what did you think about this? Um, I think Momokogo owed Hazuki money. (laughs) (laughs) Holy jeez. Like she... Well, and we have a, like a running joke on here, Karen, that ever since uh, Natsupoi turned uh, on Donald Del Mondo, that everybody on the stardom roster just beats us. We call it the Natsupoi World Tour beatdown. I think that maybe Hazuki uh, didn't put her contacts in and thought that Momokogo was Natsupoi. Because holy geez, it was a little little stisky there. I hope, I hope she bought her a drink afterwards. But uh, the match was fine. I see Karen's point on the time limit draw, but you're already doing one later. You don't want to have two on this show um because you're gonna have a lot of people complaining and they were already complaining enough about the tag title match which we'll get into um and that not only that but it's the big show you want to have Mayu have her hand raised so i thought the match was solid i thought it was a little bit of a preview of what we're going to see from both these teams in the uh the triangle uh derby so um all in all solid efforts around i thought everybody worked real hard i thought hana looked really good mm. she kind of got the hot tag and it was just she was just running judo throws onto everybody so i thought that was very important that they did a good job and her spots and shining her up really well but ultimately, I think uh, the right person went over with Mayu going over with the Dragon Suplex on poor Saida. Um, she may or may not have won earlier in the night. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Uh, allegedly. But, uh, allegedly. Allegedly, sir. Uh, solid match, three and a quarter stars. Yep, I gave you exactly the same three and a quarter stars. Um, I'd, I'd argue that if you want to see Mayu with her hand raised, you put her in a higher profile match. Um but you know that's that's just personal preference. Um, overall, she could have been in that Kamatani match. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> where I was going. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, and, and again, that is absolutely nothing against Umasaki. Um, and we'll get into that match presently. But oh, Mayu could have been in that. Mayu could have been in that. Hazuki could have been in that. It there was there was several ways stardom could have gone but either way this was a really good preview for what i'm sure is going to be a very very entertaining tournament now matt did i make up that they are doing the very bizarre thing they did with the goddess of stardom tag league um i think two years ago where i did i told you that ah right okay so they are definitely doing the cross block matches because the main event of the show that's tomorrow or as you listen to this uh, already happened is the uh, what we have as our finals? It's the God's Eye team versus uh, Queen's Quest team. That's have... the main event of the of the pay per view that's airing on the, the morning of the third, and that's what I also think is me and you both have as the finals. As you have Sherry, Ami, and Mariah going over, I have the Queen's Quest team. Why? Of you, Tom? I don't. I don't. I don't make the rules. Don't Why? Get mad at me. Why? <laughs> I am mad at I you, Matt. Not. I you think Stardom is this. just like we're doing so good. We had uh, we had such a great year. 
that the first tournament, we're just going to turn it into Bizarro World and see what happens. The issue I had with this, and I text you when you when you mentioned it, Matt. The issue I have with this and with the cross block thing as a as in general is that just by definition, we're already going to have seen the final. So if Azumi, Saya, and Utami versus God's Eye is going to be the final of the Triangle Derby, which it isn't because we predicted it will be. I, <laughs> I don't understand why you would want to do that match twice. I, know, I mean, I know you've got the idea of, well, if you build it correctly and you have this really good match, people will want to see it again. But I've never understood that. I've never just put them in different blocks and darved them wrestle. You want the, uh, the the Matt Turner positive spin on it? Always. Who doesn't want to see that match twice in five weeks? That's, you get to see Sherry yeah. versus Utami. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Mariah and Sayakamatani go at it again. There, that is a good there's point. my explanation. That is only yeah. if that leads to Mariah eventually challenging Kamatani for the belt. Please do. Please do. Um, I mean, I'm pegging Starlight Kid or Mina Shirakawa, but we'll get to that later. Oh, I'm going. <laughs> Fully invested in uh, Mina Shirakawa. And speaking of which, let's talk about match three. It was a tag team match. The return of Pink Kabuki for one night only, apparently. Uh, Mina Shirakawa and Yunagi Sayaka defeating the Donna Del Mondo team of Tekla and Mei Sakurai with the glamorous driver Mina in 10 minutes and 13 seconds. Now, a couple of things to note before we talk about the big things coming out of this match. Um, I was initially disappointed that we weren't treated to Tekla's music for Donna Del Mondo. I'm a big fan of that death metal song. But as it shouts her name repeatedly, they would have had to edit it. So it goes like, Tekla and me, Tekla and me. And it just wouldn't have sounded the same, (laughs) would it? Um, Also, if you'd have told me at the start of 2021 that Yunagi Sayaka was going to go away and I would have missed her, I would have laughed in your face. But she's improved that much that she she came out, and I was like, oh my god. I actually realized how much I've missed her in stardom, and it's just, I cannot believe how much of a 180 I've done since she debuted on stardom, and I was I was so negative about her and the push she was getting and things like that. And suddenly she's like, oh my god, I can't wait for her to come back, Matt. Yeah, um, Mina got like a huge pop when her music hit. I was like, why are they doing the entrances separate? And then we see everything that unfolds. And at first I was like, well, he's, I knew who Zaya Brookside was when she came out. Didn't know who the other person was. And then eventually they announced who it was. So I was like, well, it's kind of taking away from this entrance that Mina has, not unless it's leading up to something. And boy, howdy, it sure did. So um, as far as the match goes, um, the match was fine. But everybody watch your feet because I'm about to drop a name on you was very fortunate many, many years ago to sit under the learning tree of what is probably my all-time favorite wrestler, one Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. One of the many things that he taught me that stuck in my head, as Rob looks at me, yes. <laughs> what well, name drop? <laughs> yes. Another story, another day. We'll get into it. One of the many things that he taught that really stuck with me all these years ago is when it comes to a tag team match, if you, even if you're not in the ring, you're still working meaning to work the apron, work the crowd, do something where you're adding to the match. Um, so to me, and I, ever since I heard that, I watched tag team matches completely different. So in this match, I'm watching Yunagi, who's on the apron for majority of the match. The psychology 
actually in the buildup of the match is the Tekla and the DDM team of Tekla May Sakurai are kind of working over Mina's jaw. Makes sense. She had the you know facial surgery. Makes sense. And it gets to a point where they're beating on her so much that Yunagi leaves the tag rope, walks halfway down the apron, and starts leaning in between the second rope to check on Mina. Yunagi's role in this match, and this is where the whole psychology comes into play, is she basically just comes in to save Mina. Anytime she's in trouble, she comes in to save Mina. They would run a couple double teams. And then even the one false finish that DDM had was Tekla's O'Connor roll into the Backland Bridge, which we've seen her win a handful of matches with. Mina doesn't kick out of that. If you go back and watch it, Yunagi has to break up the fall. Then eventually Mina goes Mina crazy. She hits a uh, fantastic striking combination. She hits the, uh, the, the glamorous driver Mina on Tekla. One, two, three, we, you know, we get the fall and we get the match. So um, I thought the match was pretty good, solid. I think I had it like three and a half stars. The psychology was that was was very well done. But before we get into the post-match angle, I just wanted to hear from uh, one Miss Karen, who's now booking stardom, uh, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. I just want to know what she, uh, she thought of the match. Uh, what I found interesting, along with the uh, the separate entrances, was I was like, oh, they're making a very big deal about the return of Mina Shirakawa. And I was like, okay, this is great. I was like, you know, the whole Unagi storyline is interesting because, you know, she decided to go into her gown period where she's working, you know, a lot of the indies, she's working in Marvelous, she's showing up in JTO, she's going all over the place. But the underlying story was, is that she left without saying goodbye or talking to Mina about it right before Goddess Tag League. When, you know, everyone was like, oh, Pink Kabuki is totally going to be in for, you know, the conversation this year. They're finally going to get there. And then, of course, we had Kawhi Old Venus, which it was Saki from Colors, who's, you know, the, the partnership with Cosmic Angels. But she was no longer with someone who had been in Cosmic Angels longer than Natsupoi had been. And then she wasn't getting back together with uh, Tam uh, Nakano either. So she gets injured and she goes away. You know, she shows up at the press conference in her, uh, I don't, oh, I don't remember what the, the, what she was trying to do with it, but she, her face is all taped up, making it look like she had, she went abroad somewhere to get plastic surgery <laughs> or whatever. Um, but then she comes out, she comes out flanked with two foreign wrestlers when my, you know, Zaya Brookside and Mariah May. And my immediate reaction is, Tam is not going to like this because this is what happened when Tam started launching Cosmic Angels underneath Mayu's nose. And she walks out, she does, you know, she does the big reveal. I love the haircut. I love that she wore the costume that she wore in her match with Kamatani where she got her jaw busted open. It's like, kind of like wearing wearing the, the the outfit you went down in to like, get the bad juju off of it. So she shows up, she looks fantastic. She comes, she, you know, she comes in with the girls, she gets in the ring. And immediately from the get-go, I re- I, I, something felt off. And it was the moment that she and Unagi got in the ring and they go to do the pink kabuki Jaquim pose and Mina doesn't look like she wants to do it. She does it begrudgingly. And I'm like, oh, they're, they're, they're starting something with them. And yeah, as you said in the match, it was like, the match was generally cent- centered around Mina and Mina being back. I did like that they hearkened back to Mina's rivalry with Tekla over the SWA belt. Yes. I felt that, you know, Tekla and Mina were, they stepped in at a time where there was like, uh, you know, a lot of change going on in Stardom, but also because of the pandemic <laughs> in Stardom. And it was the, I was surprised that Tekla was the one that ended up losing this ma- mm-hmm. the, the match for Donna Del Mundo, I would have assumed that it's my Sakurai, but they seem to be protecting Sakurai a lot lately, especially, p- 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 uh, pardon me, putting her with Julia in everything. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it was the Unagi kept trying to help Mina, but at the at the same time, you could tell that everything Unagi was doing was too little, too late because she, you know, Amina has the chip on her shoulder that you left me, you abandoned me when I needed you. So that's how I it was like when the match is over, I'm like, something's coming, mm-hmm. something big is coming, and then you know, we we go into the post match. <laughs> Whoever was the cameraman that got that shot of Mina sort of so sort of not quite up close but about there for people on video if you're listening you can't see what I'm doing but <laughs> like there and Mina's smiling she's got Zaya Brooks side on one side she's got Mariah May on the other side and just out of focus behind Mina you have got Yunagi who is stood on her own at the top of the ramp in floods of tears what a visual to finish this match. Whoever got that shot deserves a pay rise. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I feel like, obviously, I think we can all agree big things are in store for Mina Shirakawa. Um, in my eyes, she is undoubtedly the most improved wrestler in stardom this year. Um, I feel like even between this match with Saya Kamatani and her return here i feel like there's been little change-ups it felt like she was wrestling a more strike heavy style she was setting up in a more strike heavy style the way she was going in for lockups, things like that um she channeled her best great okan impressions with her entrance with the mask and the taped up gloves um but overall i thought that mina felt like a star. It was the same aura I got when she came out. She got the new robe against Sayakamatani, and unfortunately, as we know, that ended in a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a botch from Saya, which of course we talked about on the podcast. And I said this could potentially be stupid as it sounds, a really, really like a blessing in disguise for Mina, like it was for yeah. Becky Lynch um, ahead of Survivor Series when she was supposed to be battling Ronda and then got her face smashed to Busted smithereens open. by uh, by an errant punch from Nia Jax. I get the impression that this could be the same thing for Mina, especially if Sayaka, if this is going to haunt Saya Kamatani, this mistake she made, if they're going to sort of build this into a storyline, how it haunts her. Um, I think this could be really, really interesting. Obviously, post-match, we get the reveal that Mina Shirakawa has enlisted Zaya Brookside and Mariah May to a new a new group called Club Venus. Now, the way I saw it, or the way I have read into this, is that Mina is still a part of Cosmic Angels. She has not said, as far as I'm aware, she probably has, and I just haven't read it, but from what I've seen, she is in Cosmic Angels, but Club Venus is sort of an offshoot of it in the same way i imagine that house of torture is an offshoot of bullet club um but sorry to bring up show karen um it's okay my heart will go on (laughs) (laughs) but obviously they were announced as the mystery team in red block of triangle derby so we are going to get mina mariah and zaya as the mystery team in red block I think we can all see that there is going to be some manner of confrontation between Tam and Mina, and this is going to, if it hasn't already, it's going to be sort of 
leading to this breakup and Club Venus becoming its own thing, Matt? Yeah, um, this very much screams like what happened with Cosmic Angels being under in stars. It, and, and it worked, you know. Hey, I was going to say to the two teachers, copy an A, get an A. So uh, I think this is where they're going with. <laughs> I think this is eventually where they're going with. I mean, maybe at the, you'll see a big Mina Tam match, you know, at the, uh, the Yokohama Arena. Maybe that's we're building towards or one of the many pay-per-views I'm sure we'll have on the way. Regardless, looking forward to it. Now, to me, and you two tell me if I'm if I'm wrong here. To me, it seemed like uh, Mina kind of turned heel. Like this is a heel group, right? That's the vibe that I got from it because she kind of just threw a couple forms at Unagi, which didn't even bump her. Unagi didn't even sell, which kind of like, oh, that kind of wasn't the way to go about it. But to me, it was kind of more of a heel turn. Um, see, to me, it was more of a. It wasn't an outright heel thing for me. It was more a, she feels justified in what she's doing. She feels like this is the next stage in her development. But I suppose, you know, any villain in any film or anything like that, what makes them a relatable character is that you can see where they're coming from. So uh, I didn't see them as heels, to be perfectly honest. Maybe that's because I've never seen really seen Zaya Brookside as a heel. Um could it could be though it could be obviously the attack on Unagi you predicted that Unagi was going to be the one turning heel and leaving Cosmic yeah. Angels um what do you think Karen one of the things that I liked about Mina's promo to Unagi specifically is that before she started hitting her <laughs> she basically said I'm prepared to do whatever I need to mm. for me and you know, she took it for, you know, an eye for an eye. Unagi abandoned her. She's ready to put and ready to put pink Kabuki down for good and just lays into her. And, you know, which led to Unagi crying up on the ramp. But at the same time, you could tell that Unagi was conflicted. And I don't know how much of it's like a work versus a shoot in that, that particular sense, because, yeah, they, we, you know, eventually Mina goes up to the top of the ramp. Unagi puts her arms around her and says something to her in her ear that, you know, of course, it's a conversation just for the two of them. And then they go into the back backstage area, and the first thing you see is Unagi slamming Mina's face into the table, <laughs> and being like, "Yeah, Pink, Pink Kabuki's dead. That's great." And but there's 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 I think they're going to eventually, if Unagi is continuing this program where she's you know freelancing but also affiliated with Stardom, that they will have a singles match at some point. Mm, sure, I feel like that is definitely on the horizon. Now, where you know Club Venus comes into play, Stardom's English. Uh, Twitter did a a quick video with her after the match and she's like yes I am still in Cosmic Angels however Club Venus meaning Mariah and Zaya are not they are in Club Venus which is exactly it's it's I feel Mm. like she's giving Tam a taste of her own medicine because you know they had the press conference for this particular show on I think it was around December 6th Mm. the Triangle Derby press conference was 10 days later and she was not paired with Natsupoi and Tam they took Saki from Colors and put the three of them together. And at that time, when there was a list of XXX, but Mina was already announced coming back, I was like, Mina's showing up with someone. She's she she has to be in that Club Venus. So when it all comes to a head, I think it's going to be in because Club Venus is in the same block as Cosmic Angels. Mm-hmm. So depending on the outcome of that match, whether it's a tie or Club Venus gets the win over Cosmic Angels, I feel like Tam is just handing out ultimatums at this point. <laughs> <laughs> because she i mean it's the do as i say not as i do she she did exactly that to mayu and the first person she brought in was mina and the first person she, she started overlooking the most 
and to take for granted was Mina, which is, you know, the whole story with their white belt arc yeah. when there was a crazy bloody angel Mina. Yeah. I so I also that. feel like Waka Tsukiyama is going to make a choice. She is going to leave Cosmic Angels and align herself with Club Venus, which it would, in fact, be a good thing for her mm-hmm. because she was doing the, the translation live backstage for Zaya Brookside and Mariah May. So with her fluency in English, she could be, especially if you're building up Mina to give her her own faction, Waka basically being told, yeah, you're not improving enough, but I'm not doing anything for you because all my attention is on Natsupoi right now. So you're on your own. You need to get a win, but I'm not really, like, I'm cheering for you, but I'm not working, actively working to help you. Yeah. So I feel like it's going to come down to Waka making a choice and being like, you know what, Tam, I washed my hands of you. I'm going with someone who actually cares about what I'm doing and what where I am, and it's and, not you. And when when um, Mina attacked Yunagi, Waka got in between them. And I was thinking to myself, well, if they're going to turn heel, they should beat up on Waka, but then they didn't. So that's why, yeah, I'm agreeing with you, Karen. And then I'll I'll throw it to you there, Mister Rob. If you uh, you were kind of on the same side, that I think eventually, I think Waka's going to get her win in March. And then Tam's going to be like coming, you know, hey, congratulations, you can stay in Cosmic Angels. And she's going to be like, nope. Deuces. Nope. Yeah, very much like um, Starlight Kid did when Mayu went through that gauntlet. Um, it, it just seems to repeatedly happen to Tam, doesn't it? She gets overlooked, 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 and then she seems to be doing this learned behavior, and now it's coming back to bite her with Mina. Um, I'd completely forgotten about that being the entire basis of their match at uh, Tokyo... Was it Tokyo Dreams? No, not Tokyo Dreams, Cinderella. Tokyo Super Wars. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a fantastic callback. I, I, I really like this, in case, uh, <laughs> in, case you tell. <laughs> in case you can't tell. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about um, Wacker and the entire club venus thing because it will come into what i want to talk about in terms of the white belt so let's head into match four which was the goddess of storm championship number one contendership three-way tag team match with my himmy defeating the new eras and bmi 2000 with micah getting the pinfall over ruaka with the michinoku driver two in 10 minutes and six seconds now if i am reading the podcast room correctly I am under the impression that this is the result that should have happened and everyone wanted to happen, but is perhaps a little bit too little too late because my Himmy should have won the tag league anyway. Am I right, Karen? Hundred percent. You you it might be that I feel like that was lifted right out of Dream Slam Weekly's uh <laughs> event report because that is exactly how I felt about it. <laughs> Those are my feelings. You are channeling me at this very moment where I'm just like, why, why is this not my Hime? Why, why are yeah. we doing this match? Again, it felt like it, it was the, we'll put, we'll put the, the tournament victory on 7-Up but get them on the card. But at the same time, we want to have like all these other girls on the card. So we'll just, you know, give them a uh, runners-up feel-good three-way of all the, of pro- arguably three of the teams that should have or could have won yep. the entire tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And what makes me laugh is um well matt let's let's talk to you first and then we'll we'll go into what uh into what i think uh this match 10 minutes six wrestlers i say this every week on the podcast that they do so much with such little time mm. they had six wrestlers all looked good they all got stuff over not only you're getting single stuff over you're getting tag stuff over you're getting psychology over there was just some great spots especially with uh himika and ami sorry i thought there's some really good stuff there 
I know we did the preview show. I think we had the under over on Lariat's 15. I don't think it came anywhere <laughs> close to that. But regardless, I thought this match was like, don't blink. You got 10 minutes of just these uh, fantastic tag teams that all look good in tag league. We talked mm. about how great BMI 2000 was because uh, they were kind of, we were kind of scratching our heads thinking, why are they putting the two of them together? And they were the surprise team, I think, pretty much for everybody. And I thought mm. that, uh, you know, Tora coming back from her injury, Ruaka's finally starting to hit her stride a little bit in this tag team. I thought all three teams were great. Um, I think that's that was your pick. I think Mike and Himika was your pick, which I didn't think they'd get a title tag title shot right away. I think I had BMI 2000. So kudos to you, sir, on getting one right. It happens every now and again, folks. Like a broken <laughs> clock. He's right twice a day. Um, I thought this match was absolutely fantastic. A really good pacing. Um, and like I said, really good psychology. Everything fit really well. I had this at a solid three and a half stars. I think I liked it a little bit more than you. I gave it three and three quarters. And just before I talk about, obviously, the... Um sort of the way it's been structured and everything i thought the match was fantastic um i thought all six women did a tremendous job i thought ruaka looked really good in this as well managing to muscle up i believe it was was it micah um into a fisherman buster i thought was really really impressive um but i couldn't shake the feeling throughout this match that this wouldn't have been affected at all had they not replaced my himmy with seven up if you give my Himmy the tag league victory for start, they're members of your full-time roster. Um, you put them in the match with Meltier and then put seven up in this match and have seven up be the first number one contenders. I feel like that makes more sense and it puts my Himmy in a far more pronounced spot on the card, which I feel like they deserve because both women have had really underrated years. We've talked about how, on you know, on this podcast, one of my first podcasts back, we talked about how Himika had a really underrated five-star Grand Prix. Um, and I know that they have, they are previous Goddess of Stardom champions, but even so, I feel like this was nothing more than something of a consolation prize. And it just... I don't know. It didn't really sit well with me. The match itself, I really enjoyed. The sort of machinations of it and, you know, the way they've structured this and the Goddess of Storm tag match later on in the night, that sort of bothered me slightly. Um, Let's move on then to a match that didn't bother me, and that is the <laughs> singles match between Kairi and Yutami Hayashishite, ending in the time limit draw um, at 15 minutes, which I believe is another one I called. I believe I called the time limit draw in this match. Um, but overall, what a match, Karen. What a fantastically enjoyable 15 minutes. What I loved about this match was the the stakes that were involved. And unfortunately, you know, they, like again, Utami and Kairi are both very heavily protected. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> But I was I was kind of wanting Utami to have that julia post uh all-star dream cinderella buzz cut mm. renaissance of her career as it were but the other problem is that utami is still the leader of queen's quest so there was like there was a lot at stake for both of them you know mm. if they had to go back to their debut costume their debut haircut and like no music and no entrance it was the are you going to strip the iwgp women's champion literally five days before her first defense yeah or are you going to <laughs> strip arguably one of their t- top tier most popular in the modern stardom era stars of everything including the leadership of queen's quest that she just got so <laughs> i mean i wanted super rookie Tommy, but y- the match was from start start to finish an outstanding match 
Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Matt? What did you think? Absolutely loved it. Obviously, these are my two favorite uh, wrestlers, not only in stardom, just in wrestling in general. Kudos to Kyrie coming out in the blue and gold gear. That uh, popped me big. Yeah. Those who don't know, it's the name of my tag team, Blue and Gold. Uh, what's <laughs> up, Andy Hatter? I, I popped huge for that. Um, boy, I tell you what, obviously Kyrie is uh, the type of person, she's feisty, she hits hard, but boy, you Tommy brought it to her. Like, mm. she really beat on uh, Kyrie, especially when Kyrie really first got, like, the, it was kind of like a 50-50 match. You Tommy starts getting the advantage, she goes for the, the BT bomb. Kyrie slips out and she hits this so stiff cutlass that it's just like it seems like lately those have just been landing mm. so super stiff and I was like okay and then and then uh, she goes for the sliding D and and uh, Utami goes to kick her arm and she like, like kicked right through her like went through her arm like hit her face <laughs> there's this really cool spot as they're building towards the finish because she's working on Kyrie's right arm obviously it sets up for the insane elbow and she puts her in a hammer lock and then gets her in a guillotine choke which I've never seen before. And the way that Kyrie sold it, and Rob, we talked earlier about the fantastic camera work uh, from, you know, from stardom in the, uh, the, uh, the, the pink Kabuki match. There was some great camera work where they got right into Kyrie's face and it looked like Kyrie just couldn't get to the ropes and it looked like she was going to pass out. And the ref did a great job. Cause you couldn't see Kyrie's face at this point. Cause her hair was in front of her face. And she's like, Kyrie, do you give up? Do you give up and had to move her hair. And when she did, Kyrie just looked out. And then Kyrie gets so close to the ropes, Utami switches her body, so blocking her from the ropes, and the ref does the one, two, three. And I, almost, I bit on the falsy pretty hard because I thought, oh, man, they're going to have Kyrie get choked out here. And they did play up in the beginning of the match that like Utami kept pointing towards the IWGP women's belt. I'm like, okay, that's clearly where they're going. And then I thought the finish of the match was uh, she gets drilled with the that BT bomb. Like, oh, like, I think, like, like, when they put together their matches, I just have a feeling that Utami and Kyrie were in the same vicinity as the tag title match, where you was like, no, 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 I'm going to put Natsupoy through the mat harder. And then Utami's like, no, 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 I'm going to put Kyrie through the mat harder. And I think they must have had like a, a bet or something because, yeah. I mean, the way she dropped, I watched that match twice. And at the second time I watched it, my wife was just walking past the room. And I'm like, no, 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 watch this. You need to watch this. She's like, aren't you supposed to protect your opponent? And I'm like, no, 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 she did. She landed flat. You know, she took the flat back bump. And then uh, Kyrie go- rolls to the outside. She hits a desperation, like the stunner on the ropes. She hits the uh, insane elbow, and then the time limit expires. I wish they would have put this as a 20-minute time limit, so we got five more minutes of just this absolutely perfect match. But regardless, 15, clearly we're getting an IWGP match somewhere down the line. Maybe that is, you know, the the Yokohama show. Um, you know, a lot of speculation. But I'm going to say this to you, Rob, and I know this is going to pop you because I'm going to connect all the dots here. And I'm sure Stardom didn't do this on purpose, but this is just me connecting all the dots. Oh, no. So in order for Kyrie, it's going to pop you, I know. Okay. In order for Kyrie to get to the insane elbow, mm-hmm. she has to hit the Stone Cold Stunner into the ropes. Oh, for God's sake. Who does the Stone Cold Stunner? <laughs> you know where I'm going. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin. What is Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin's gimmick? He drinks beer. How is this match set up? You Tommy slammed a beer in front of Kyrie's face. Yeah. Folks, full circle. There, there it go. is. Seven degrees of separation, man. I'm, Boom. Honestly, man, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> that was not where I thought that was going, in fairness. Look I was how, like... They read his faces, folks. His face, his face is almost as red as my drink I was cup. Like, Look at what that. what is going on here? Um, <laughs> 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 yeah there was there was nothing not to like about this match i love the fact that in that 15 minutes there wasn't a moment's wasted motion at all the chemistry between utami's very heavy power game and Kyrie's very heavy strike game i thought melded together really really well um it wasn't until afterwards that obviously 
there's a lot of drama that inherently goes with the gimmick, which Karen's already mentioned. And it wasn't until afterwards I was like, of course they're not going to do that to Kyrie. It's Wrestle Kingdom in five days. Um, they're not going to have a walk out on the in the Tokyo Dome to no music in a rookie gear. To vacate gear. the belt yeah, and have Mercedes Bernardo show up and be like, I'll challenge Tam for the vacant belt at Wrestle Kingdom now. No. Yeah, just it wasn't Not my happen. pirate queen, thank you. <laughs> so, but it, again, it wasn't until after that that I thought, oh, okay, you know, it's going to ruin the match. It, it didn't ruin the match at all. I thought both women did a tremendous job. The lack of respect that Utami has for Kyrie was brilliant. You, you know, Kyrie coming with the blue rose and Utami just going, no, get away from me. We're wrestling and we're going to do this properly. Um, absolutely loved it. And, you know, again, you're not, you're going to have to search pretty hard to find a poor Utami Hayashishta match. And Kyrie, I feel like since her return, she started a little rusty and she's just progressed and progressed and progressed. Um, and she's slowly but surely getting back to that ring shape where, you know, her match against Saika Matani was great. Her match with Mayu was fantastic. And now this match with Utami. So these last three matches she's had have all been really, really good. Um, those first two were with a sprained ankle, like literally. Oh the God. Yeah, of, of course. Of, of that, of that double header. But my thing is that I mean, she had more than enough experience getting ragdoll mm. when she was in WWE. That, <laughs> that feud even though Jax. Utami isn't that much bigger than her, she sold it so well. I was like, I was she like, they're really not, did. they're not gonna, they're not gonna, are they? But what my only request for the rematch, much like Shuri Utami, I need it to breathe. I need like a good like four to six months mm. in between, and for them not to revisit it too soon. No, no, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, I think all of us are in agreement that Kyrie is probably keeping the belt at Wrestle Kingdom. And I say probably, I mean, she's absolutely keeping the belt at Wrestle Kingdom. Sorry, Matt. Um, Damn in a squash. Goldberg no. <laughs> <laughs> style. Spear Jack Hammer. Yeah, joins, uh, joins the, the new new Suzuki Gun run by uh, Taichi. Um, <laughs> but it'll depend. Obviously, we'll have this thing with Sasha Banks. We'll see where that goes. Um, if they can hold off on the inevitable Utami challenge and the inevitable Mayu rematch, um, if they can hold on to that, hold off on that till maybe, you know, August time, I think that's more than enough time to really, really, really let this feud breathe. Um, Give me Kyrie versus Shuri, please and thank you. Now then. <laughs> now <laughs> then. <laughs> Just give her the book. Just give her the book. So <laughs> when super duper really long Grand Slam comes around. <laughs> Double looper. Double looper with fudge on top. Quadruple main event in four rings at the same time. Pirate, 28 the cameras. And a pirate ship. Absolutely. Oh. She's jumping off a pirate ship at some point. She's got to. It doesn't She's happen at WrestleMania to. a couple years ago. Oh, that was such a missed opportunity. Um, Matt, what did you give this star rating? Uh, you know, I'm very interesting to hear what you gave. You know me, I love things pretty much more than anybody. So I'm excited to hear what your star ratings are in the next few matches. <laughs> I had this one at four and a half stars. Wow. I gave it a flat four. Loved it. Okay. You know, again, a four star matches are still fantastic, but uh, 
I think we had the sort of, you know, you are far more positive than me in general. So uh, I just love life. You just love life. And that's such <laughs> a nice life. vibe to have. Yes. Um, match six, then the artist of Stardom Championships hardcore match prominence, Suzu Suzuki, Karumi Hiragi and Risa Sarah defeating the champions, Oweretai, Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe and Saki Kashima with Suzu Suzuki pinning Saki with the German suplex in 15 minutes and 54 seconds, becoming the 28th artist of Stardom Champions, stopping Oedotai's reign at V6 and at 215 days. Now, I was worried initially the moment Starlight Kid rode out on a bike. I was like, <laughs> this probably isn't going to be the all-out hardcore match that I was anticipating. Um, but save for the weird bike spots at the start, this was a pretty fun car crash of a match, Matt. Yeah, uh, our our tie comes out, and you have Momo Watanabe in a baseball bat, Starlight Kid on a bike. However, as dangerous as those two are, the most dangerous person, most dangerous weapon that trio is Saki Kashima yep. with the Kishikasai. It only takes a three count, and they've done a great job building that move up all year to the finish of this match. Um, two little... Uh, little things that I didn't like about the match is when we did our preview, I said, please, no tags. It, there's, it's hardcore. There's no rules, no tags. There was one tag in the match, which Suzu Suzuki tagged in. I kind of gave that a mulligan because anytime Suzu Suzuki gets in the ring, I'm fine with that. But at the same time, when we're using bicycles to run over people, baseball bats, we're using baseball bats with barbed wire, kendo sticks, tables, a litany of chairs. Do we really need a legal tag, you know, in this match? Uh, the only other small thing, maybe this is just me being uh, a little greedy. There wasn't enough Momo Watanabe versus Suzu Suzuki violence uh, for my for my liking. Regardless, this match was awesome. We knew we were going to get a car cramp, uh, crash match. The using of the bike, I thought was great. Where for I mean, if anybody remembers ever running over your toe uh, when you're a little kid when you have uh, on a bike, that hurts. But the fact that she ran over that definitely happened to you rob come on there's how, no way it didn't how are you running over your own toe while somebody running, running over oh, somebody right. running okay, that over makes more sense. excuse me i was Sorry. like how are you running you're riding a bike wrong Matt, if that's happening <laughs> <laughs> i've done a lot of things wrong in my life but that's why i love life maybe that's not all working up here but uh there's that then the fact that they use like the van daminator spot with the uh the dropkick yeah. into the, the bike and uh you know usually whenever we say poor momo on this podcast 10 times out of 10, we mean poor Momo Kogo. Poor Momo Watanabe, because in order to get rid, her rid, uh, her to go away from this match, like her ending spot, is you can see they're building up this contraption of chairs stacked the opposite way, the way it's not supposed to be stacked. So you know somebody's going through it. Momo goes through it, and the cameraman, as great as they were this show, did not it. catch it. Did not catch it. But as crazy as that, that, that bump was, how about Suzu Suzuki with the fire thunder driver through the table on poor Saki Kashima? Uh, I mean, off the top rope. Saki Kashima took an absolute pasting in this match between that, thought- between the kendo stick shot from Risa Sarah. She took an absolute beating. I thought she was the MVP of this match. And again, you're building up. You're watching these. If you're watching Saki Cashman throughout this entire year, and then even especially in, the, in this artist run, which I thought was fantastic match quality wise, is they're building up the Kishi Kasai. Well, she gets out of one German suplex. She gets it. 
into Suzu Suzuki, who's clearly the star of the Promise team. No offense to Haragi or Risa Sarah. I'm a big fan of both of those. But Suzu Suzuki's, she's just, she's on a completely another level. She doesn't kick out. She's, she gets saved once by Haragi. The second time, am I saying that name right? Yes. Yes. Hiragi. Okay. okay. And then the second time, she gets saved by Risa Sarah, whacking her with a kendo stick. Oh, my and God. Then, and then Suzu so Suzuki horrible. quickly hits the two German suplexes for the win. Yeah, I thought this match was great. I thought all six looked great. I'm excited to see what Prominence does. I would like to see uh, this match get run back, but in a proper tag match, mm. just to say, you know, it's kind of more on the Uedo Tai side of things, even though they're all about the chaos brawling as well. But I would like to see it run back with some more traditional rules. But this one was a solid four stars for me. I thought this was this was great and a really great way to end what I thought was a fantastic uh, artist run from the Uedo Tai group. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Some of their matches have been the tag matches of the year so far, especially that one against um, Hazuki Hannon and uh, Kagama from a couple of months ago. That was fantastic. Um, Just before I throw to Karen, the only thing I hope now from this prominent run, um, I think we, I think me and you sort of guessed that Oedetai were going to be dropping the belts here. Um, I just hope that this isn't just going to be hardcore matches. Um, because we get a lot of that stuff on the Stardom and Showcase shows. And I feel like just the odd one being hardcore, yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, it made this match a car crash, as we mentioned before, was probably the best way of describing it. And, you know, giving the chance to do some hardcore stuff, like Momo Watanabe looked like she was having the absolute time of her life just smashing people with this baseball bat. <laughs> she, I think it was Hiragi she put in the uh, bin, and then she absolutely smashed the dustbin with this baseball bat. And the sound it made, I was like, how that hasn't split her raggy open on the inside, I've got no idea. But I just hope it's not going to be solely plunder matches because the problem is with that, it gets very boring and very repetitive very, very quickly. So I'll be interested to see where they go with that. Um, Karen, what are your thoughts yes. on this? As someone who owned one of those Mama Chardi bicycles when, I, when she lived in Japan, anytime the Mama Chardi comes out in a match, I get very excited. Mine was a nice maroon color, but man, that the, that Lovely. basket and that back rack always bring back so many memories. So I, 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 I kind of pop every time I see one in a wrestling match. So I'm just like, yeah, man, those are no joke. They have like, it, there's no speed. It's like a fixed gear. You got, and you, so I've seen ones where like, they have a kid on the front, a kid on the back. Like Jesus. you don't mess with you don't mess with the mama chariot seriously. <laughs> so when when the girls for prominence took Starlight Kid riding over over their backs, I was like, those are my girls. That's it. Well done. Uh, but that like you know, as soon as they said that it was going to be hardcore stipulation match, I'm like, all right. So either prominence is getting the belts mm-hmm. or it's not. It's not going to end well. They're not going to give a, a a stardom team a a one up in a hardcore match over a hardcore freelance troupe <laughs> who have it got their own happen. hardcore promotion. <laughs> yes. Who have their own promotion where they do death matches. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I, I understood with the triangle derby coming up that they were going to probably put the belts on some group mm. or shelve them. But the thing is that prominence, you know, the, the trio that now are the champions are in the triangle derby. Mm-hmm. So it's the, do you have them be a very dominant, force in the triangle derby or do you have them drop losses against the next group that you want to put the belts on 
how Rossi has not managed to sign Suzu Suzuki is beyond me. Oh my god! Because she is. This, I know that I. I don't want her to leave Prominence because that that's her jam. That's why she left Ice Ribbon to begin with. But she is such a sound wrestler for mm. being only twenty years old. Uh, Risa Sarah is another one, but it was the it was the with having stardom and showcase which i believe they're having one either in january or february there's another one coming up mm. you could have easily put this match on at that show yeah and just had us you know do another triangle. my thing was is that with with these trios matches you could have had another triangle derby preview mm. because you have it, i know that the Oedo tai group they're being split up for the triangle derby meaning starlight kid is not with momo and saki in, in the in the dirt in the derby but it was the i feel like they could have done something different i don't feel like it had to be a hardcore match uh if they run it back at some point as a hardcore match for starman showcase give me 10 on 10 give me all of prominence versus like you know five people from mm-hmm. oedotai but yeah i i enjoyed the match i just didn't necessarily think it was a we needed it as a palate cleanser on this card when you have like so many other matches you could have done on the card instead no, I completely see where you're coming from there. Completely see where you're coming from. I, I echo your sentiments about Suzu Suzuki. I imagine anyone with eyes um, echoes those sentiments. Suzu Suzuki is a wrestling prodigy. I think she's going to be absolutely tremendous. Um, and hopefully at some point she's able to, uh, or stardom are able to tie her down because I do think she will be fantastic. I do like the idea, um, just to close off this uh, this match, uh, Starlight Kid cutting that promo about how she was going to rip off Suzu Suzuki's head, and you know it got very gory and very violent, and then she came out on a bike. I just I thought that was I thought the disparity between those two things it just really made me laugh. Um, you have to understand the art of the mamachari. You have to understand the bicycle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really very poetic. Bicycle. <laughs> They're all really over the place in Japan. Bike. Like you get, you get hit head on with one, they clip you. It's not a good time. Even the little bell, they ring the bell, and it's a very aggressive ring. It's like it's not just like ding ding. It's like ding 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 on your left, on your left, on your left. Like, well, I just want to let me just change my bike up, please. And thank you. Can I, I say one f- more thing about this match? Of there, course, Rob, you can, yeah, because uh, that's just quick. reminding me of something. So, <laughs> real quick, uh, just want to shout out uh, Fukin Death here because she came out as Gokin Death in the uh, the Rumble, and then yeah. she came out as Fukin Death. Yeah, she just completely she... makeup changed the whole night. I meant all to about, ask like, that. Three, uh, all yeah. about three minutes of camera work. That's sticking to the gimmick. God bless you. That's. I, so many points in my book. That was great. I 100% thought we were getting the three faces of Fukigan in uh, in the Rumble. I was like, oh, she's going to come out as Fukigan, then Go, uh, sorry, Gokigan, then Fukigan, and then she's going to come out as Death Yamasan or as Kaori Yunayama. I was like, oh, we're definitely getting that. And then she got eliminated and sod it off. I was like, what she's going to get makeup ready for this match. That's what it was. That's a long time, buddy. You got you to wa- wash off your face, yeah. reapply. You got to stub out those slapping, imaginary not just cigarettes. Go, man. Makeup takes time. We have it easy, buddy. You're like, like, yeah, know, we have yeah. it. Throw some gel in the hair, brush the teeth. Absolutely. You know, tie the tie, out the door we are. So that's all, that's all I wanted to say there. Um, I did enjoy, obviously, Karen talking about the bells on those bikes. I did enjoy the fact that Starlight Kid stood, uh, sat at the top of the ramp ready to go over the, uh, the prominence people on this bike. And obviously the bell wasn't loud enough so she was ringing it and then shouting ring ring i was like that just eliminates that, any sense of article that's very it's that's very <laughs> i was having flashbacks i kid you not man even in the small towns oh, um, Lord. i am really looking forward to hearing karen's opinion on this match match seven the goddess of stardom championships match oh, yeah. um seven up 
defeating the champions Meltier with you getting the pin with the last ride powerbomb on Natsupoi, joining that less exclusive club of the Natsupoi Beatdown World Tour in 15 minutes and 57 seconds. Now, I'm going to get this off my chest before I throw to Karen. Um, 7-Up become the 26th Goddess of Storm champions. They've stopped Meltier's reign um, at V3 and 130 days. Um, I hate the result, but the match itself in a bubble was excellent. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the actual match itself. I thought Nene and Tam looked brilliant. Natsupoi, God bless Natsupoi, because the beating she took in this match was unreal. From between Nene Takahashi laying hands to you, who just apparently was, she was just a juggernaut. In this match, she ran through poor Natsupoi. Um, but I do not understand why you would put the championships on 7-Up, Karen. So. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> what have we done to her? We broke her. You we broke, broke me. Karen. Uh, no, it, it's the... Again, this is me being salty about them winning the ta- the goddess tag league when yeah. they didn't need to do it. And the thing is, is that I understand the purpose of Nanae Takahashi being in stardom as one of the original stardom, you know, OGs, hmm. as someone who's a legacy talent and had his history with the company. But the point of her coming back should be much, much like Kyrie, to have matches and put newer talent over. Natsupoi is still relatively new in the company. Like, you know, she came over, I believe, in 2019. And it's, yeah. you know, she still has a relatively short career. This match should have been showcasing that. And instead, you know, you walk into she you walk into the match where one, Tam has an IWGP women's heavyweight singles championship match on the main card of Wrestle Kingdom five days after this match. Mm-hmm. So she's either gonna go in like, you know, with like, you know, with the stardom belt and being like, hey, look, stardom's important too but she's going to end up ultimately losing to Kairi. Or you have Nanae Takahashi, who has exceptionally decorated, now is working freelance, working in multiple promotions, who's tagging with you, who is also an outstanding wrestler. But, you know, she has, like, three championships. Mm-hmm. Two, like, one, the Pure J Openweight Championship, I believe, in the EVE International uh, Championship. There was no way that you was you or, you know, Nanae Takahashi were losing that match purely because of how decorated they are. So it was like Natsupoi was basically in the match to lose it. And I don't agree with that. Like I especially because Nane Takahashi and you are teaming with Yunamizamori in the trios tournament that starts tomorrow. Like it's 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 the why did why did you have to go so far as to serve them a loss? Is it because Natsupoi has to be the one to eat all the derby losses because they're not gonna do it to Saki? Or is it Yunamina Mizumori is going to be the one eating all the losses that 7-Up ends up having in the Derby loss because she doesn't have a championship belt? So it, it, it was just very frustrating when, I mean, I get the historical significance of Nanae Takahashi in stardom. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you have, again, going back to Maihime, who in the last year b- both challenged for the white belt and the red belt. And didn't win either. They challenged for the goddess's belt. They had the belt. They lost it very quickly. It's just, I don't understand. Like, I need somebody to help me make it make sense. Because if they were going to shelve the titles for the Trios tournament, that'd be one thing. 
but they're in the trios tournament, meaning they are not one. They're not going to eat a lot of losses to begin with, or if they do, it's all going to be on Mizumori, which isn't fair to her. And rant. <laughs> I get the impression that Mizumori is unfortunately in that team and as the pin eater. Um, I, I hold much more value in Takahashi as you know, she turned up at the new blood show to have what I think they would call the passion injection match with lady C. I see far more upside in Takahashi doing stuff like that, you know, raising lady C and, you know, even this, um, they sort of teased maybe some sort of mentorship with Wacker, you know, something like that is far more, is such a better use of her because ultimately she's late forties. She hasn't got a lot of time left in the ring unless she's like Azure Kong, who just apparently does not age. Um, I just, you have in Meltier one of the most marketable teams you have had in years. They've just released that single, which I now can't get out of my head, and it's really annoying because yes, I don't I know the it, bloody I words. It. I just know the. I just picture Taichi standing behind them, not doing anything. <laughs> Stoic. <laughs> um, I do not understand why you would take the belts off them, especially not at this point. <laughs> Nanae Takahashi just turned 44. She's not late for late 40s. <laughs> She's a year older than me. Minute. Oh my god. She's mid, she is mid 40s. On December 23rd, she just had her birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Takahashi. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, that's the thing is that, you know, I don't see the need for her to have the belt. No, she doesn't need it. Let, let her do the mentoring thing like you said. Mm-hmm. Like it's just there's no, like <sighs> it just it just doesn't it just doesn't need to be that way. No. And don't Sorry. get me wrong. No, I completely agree with you. And had they lost this match, but given as good as they got, you know, that exchange between Tam and um, Nene, um, and Nene, where they were literally just slapping the hell out of each other, that was great. I loved that. That's what she needs. That's what. That's why she should be in the promotion. You listen to the reaction that 7-Up got when they won the Tag League, and it was silence and i'm not talking covid clap crowd silence i am talking tumbleweed silence and yes they were more well received here but there was still a very noticeable sort of oh they won um i did properly feel for natsupoy because yes she hit the ferial gift um but other than that she had very little offense and she was there as a punching bag for you and for Nene Takahashi. And to her credit, she sold like an absolute beast and she made those two women look fantastic. And again, as a match, I love this. I gave it four and a half stars. It's a really, really good match. But the implications of this match, the implications of the fact that they've taken the belts off Meltier, which I still still can't quite work out, Whoever had won the tag league, I wouldn't have taken the belts off Meltia here because I feel like there's more you can do with that tag team. Unless, and this was the only thing I was thinking, unless, obviously, with this single that they've released, are they not going to be on every stardom show? Are they potentially doing, you know, press for that and maybe even tours for that? Is that why they've taken the belts off them? But even so, it didn't need to be 7-Up that took the belts. I feel like, as... You said, Karen, my Himmy were far more qualified to uh, to take the belts and deserve the belts more. Matt. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Karen. Karen. Uh, real quick, I was just going to say, you know who beat 7-Up in, in the Goddess Tag League? My Hime. 
Just saying. Yeah. Stardom Gold Rush. There you mm. go. <laughs> I'm done. I'm really done this time. I'm sorry. Are you sure? Are you sure, Karen? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, go on. We need your positivity, my man. Absolutely. And and you know me, I am the uh as we say, other than Rasio Gawa's accountant, I am the biggest Meltier fan in the world. So uh, again, the, Rob, I'm with you and the star rating four and a half stars. I thought this match was great. Um, I'm going to disagree with you, both of you, um, just a little bit on Natsupoy. I thought that I always have the saying, it's not who goes over, it's who gets over. I thought Natsupoy, other than Shuri, Utami, Kyrie, and Julia was the MVP of this show. <laughs> so half the card. <laughs> well, you have 40 people in the Rumble. And those matches, I don't know if you noticed, Rob, were really good. So. <laughs> were okay <laughs> um she got in yeah she got in the ferro dip they built up to the german suplex and she got the german suplex on you she mm. got the um she and i know going in going into this match my big concern was use selling or lack thereof because there was a lot of matches in tag league that she sold very little didn't sell enough or didn't sell it on some of it was warranted again the miyu hamasaki her forearms they couldn't break an egg that i get <laughs> But I was worried if like her selling and she sold very well for Natsupoy. Now, granted, Natsupoy had to bring it. And Natsupoy with her kicks that low, she gave you this low, the low angle drop kick where she almost drop kicked her right through the ropes. And she hit that uh, low spinning kick, the one that uh, I think she she won a few matches in the five star with. She drilled you with. And there was, again, there. Uh, so I thought Natsupoy got over great in this match. I thought she got enough offense in. She did make Nanai and you look really, really good. In her selling, I thought the tag work between Tam and Natsupoy mm. was better than it ever was. I mean, not that it was bad before, or not, not you know, not that it was bad before, but I mean, they were absolutely on point in this match. They did this really cool spot where Natsupoy did the dive to the outside, and you caught her, and Tam was right there to 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 do the dive onto you. That's holding Natsupoy. I thought that was really really good. When you hit the uh, fair, oh, when uh, excuse me, Natsupoy hit the ferial blink onto you. I thought that was the finish, which I thought would have been a great finish. And then as soon as you kicked out Tam, and it was right on the other side of the ring, Tam came running across right from the other side of the ring, like the full ring length, and drilled her with a violent shooting. I thought that was great. What a great spot um, to be fair. Yeah, that was. I, I thought, love that. And she came off they, camera as well, so it looked even yeah, better. Yeah, you just didn't see it. You just see all all this purple coming in, and boom, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> just hitting you right in the face. Um, I thought all four women were great here. They did a great job building up to the finish where they kept trying to go for the last ride powerbomb and not some point would get out of it and they would do a couple uh, pin attempts. Um, yeah, I don't agree with the result. And again, um, I know I'm the only one that watched this match live. The Twitter world was a buzz <laughs> to the point Imagine. where I had several people, I had several people tweeting at me saying, I'm done. I'm not watching stardom ever again. Wow. Um, which I'm like, okay. I'm like, you realize there's two more matches, right? Like you paid your pay-per-view money for these two title matches with two of the best champions in all of wrestling. You're just going to shut it off now. But I was like, my thing is, and obviously if they want to take the belts off, you know, my first reaction was if they wanted to take the belts off Tim and not to why not my Hemi? So I agree with you guys there. However, after thinking about it for a day or two, I think what they're doing is I think Rossi Ogawa and star, they want a big title change at that Yokohama show. And I think they don't want a 50-50 match or even a 60-40 match. I think they're going to run this match back on that sh- that big show where 99% of the people are going to want Meltier to win the belt, win the belts back. So if you had, um, you know, only one only 1% would want to see 7-Up, you know, even if, you know, I'm kind of rounding up, or would want to see 7-Up retain <laughs> the belts. Um, 
So, but I think if you went into that and you did Miami as the champions against Meltier, the challengers, I think you get more of a 50, 50 or 60, 40, very much in similar, the way they built up that, uh, the big new IWGP championship match at Madison square garden, where it looked like we were going to get Tanahashi and Okada, but they switch it to Jay white because they wanted everybody to cheer at the very end. And if Okada won, not everybody would cheer them. They would have, you know, maybe they would have wanted Tanahashi to win. So my point being, I think that's the, do I agree with it? Absolutely not. You know, you have the single, the photo book, Karen hit it right on dead center, you know, home run with the whole, you have Tam coming out of the Tokyo dome in just two days. She comes out with that goddess of stardom belt. And you could say, well, you know, Kevin Kelly or Chris Charlton will say, well, that she's one half of the goddess of stardom champion. You literally have a free plug, plug the website as she's walking down to that giant rampway at the Tokyo dome. You miss that opportunity there. You have, you know, what I'm sure is going to be the number one single in the history of music, you know, <laughs> de- debuting, uh, you know, Double Frontiers debuting on Apple iTunes. You know, it's a lot of missed opportunity here. The only thing that I can think of is the reason why they put the belts on them is just so that they can build this match, the rematch back up for that show in, in Yokohama so Meltair can win in front of how many, you know, it's going to be the most watched stardom show ever between probably attendance-wise and pay-per-views and whatnot. So, um that's the only reason I can see it. Um, if there's something else there, I don't know. But uh, in fact, how great the show was and the match was great, but I literally had people tweeting at me. They were done watching Stardom. They were done listening to the podcast. Some One of our Patreon members said they were canceling oh the Patreon. Gosh. Yeah, and, they, and I looked 24 hours later and we lost a Patreon member. Was that person? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's like... But that's like, not your what? fault. Why are they exactly? Doing you guys? Exactly. I'm like, how again? Other than Rossi Ogawa's accountant, I'm the biggest Meltier fan in the world. My daughter literally for Christmas drew me a picture of Meltier. Go check on my Twitter, Matt Turner OF. It's on there. Like, and I wasn't like, I was like, oh, that was kind of all right. Well, I don't know why they did that, but I wasn't like, I'm not turning off this pay per view with two matches left. I'm glad I didn't. And if you did, you know, it wasn't an empty threat, and you turned off the show with these last two matches. Sorry, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but I didn't book it. But uh, overall, ended on a positive note. Great match. I thought um, Nanai and you was great. I thought you sold perfectly, which, like I said, was my big concern about the match. I thought Natsupoy was the absolute MVP of this match. Her and Tam clicked better than they ever done before. Uh, excellent match. And I hope they do run this back. And I do hope that Meltier get a long-term uh, title run with the, with the belts. I feel like... If that's the route they're going, that is a big risk, um, and un- and not only a big risk, I feel like it's an unnecessary risk. Um, you have got the sort of you know the de facto heels in Seven Up, even though they're not being portrayed as heels in any in any way whatsoever. Um, I feel like you could have just done Meltia versus My Himmy at Stardom big long super duper curly whirly <laughs> grand slam um and Cherry's on top yeah absolutely and i think it would have sold on just the fact that those four women in the ring would have been would they're gonna have an outstanding match you know if you need you've got the history between my himmy and natsupoy um and the fact that natsupoy turned effectively turned her back on them to join cosmic angels and tam um i just i didn't really want melty to drop the belts here to anyone you know, whether it was my Himmy or whether it was Fukuoka Double Crazy or whoever won the tag, like Aphrodite. Um, but I certainly didn't want it to... I don't know. I just... 
And again, this is no disrespect to Na- um, Nene and to you. I'm a big, big fan of you, and people who listen to the podcast will know that I'm a big fan of you. Um, but yeah. you mean me? Yeah, you? absolutely. I'm, no, I'm, me. But yeah, to to end the reign, you know, they've only had three. Well, this was the third title defense, so they've only had two successful title defenses. Um, they've only held the belt for 130 days. I feel like they could have done so much more with it. Yeah. And uh, I felt that it was cut short. However, again, in uh, Stormcast, um, in Stormcast way of ending things positively, it was a very, very, very good match. Um, match eight then, our semi-main event for the Wonder of Stardom Championship saw the champion Saya Kamatani defeat Haruka Umasaki with the Frankensteiner in 16 minutes and 11 seconds. Now, uh, obviously me and you, Matt, we aren't as familiar with Umasaki as I know Karen is. Um, so I'll be interested to get your thoughts in a second, Karen, on um, Umasaki and where whether you think this was an appropriate spot for her on the card, let's say, or how she fared here in terms of, is this one of her better matches, for example? Um, but in my own personal opinion, and the very, very small cross-section of matches I've actually seen of Umasaki when she's not messing about with fireballs, um, I thought she did a good job here, despite the inevitability of the results. I reckon maybe three people in the entire crowd thought that Umasaki stood a chance of winning. Um, I thought she did very, very well. Proves without a shadow of a doubt that she does not need an alter ego, um, especially one that throws fireballs. Um, but I think Saya did a great job of selling for Umasaki. I thought she pinballed herself around the ring so well in order to sell some of those strikes, which really, really helped. However... God, I wish it had been someone else in this match. And that's no disrespect to Umasaki. It was a good match. I gave it three and three quarter stars. But to think that we could have had Mayu Iwatani, we could have had Hazuki, we could have had anyone on the main roster, you know, Himika, Micah, anyone going for that Y belt, and it would have been a more marketable match. And again, I feel bad saying that because I feel like I'm being negative on Umasaki, and I'm not. I think she did a good job here. But I don't think she warranted a white belt shot. What about you, Karen? To her credit, Umasaki is Di- uh, pro a uh, Wonder Women's Wrestling Di- Diana or Diana, depending on you know the Japanese versus English pronunciation. Mm-hmm. She's their young ace. She's been wrestling for about four years, which is r- roughly around the same amount of time that. Kamatani has been wrestling and that was the large conversation that was going on in the Japanese commentary was that she they they're both very advanced for as short as their careers are mm. I like Umasaki I like her much more than her karma alter ego which you touched upon <laughs> I think everyone um, does I I did love that she has been kind of a mainstay in the new blood series because mm. she is a you know another wrestler that's under 25 that has a very short career part of me wishes they would have rolled out konami for this match now that i think about it because mm. you know it was a year ago that she had her last match with julia because you know konami she isn't full-time with stardom anymore she comes she comes back whenever they roll around in hiroshima where she's from but even someone like konami who is you know formerly stardom but still actively wrestles in stardom on stardom main card shows would have made the match feel more like it had bigger stakes mm. because konami never held 
either singles title in stardom. And I just felt like I like, I like Umasaki. Don't get me wrong, but I felt like her being put in this match was purely to pad Kamatani's defense record and give her an easy win before possibly, you know, breaking Momo Watanabe's record that stands at 13 defenses, which is kind of unfair to Umasaki. Exactly. But I wish that if they were going to give Umasaki this slot, they would, that they would have signed her to a stardom contract. Make, make, make it, make her part of the company before you put her in this position. Give her a little more time working up. Cause you know, she did work some matches leading up to this, like, but it was like literally the last two weeks of December where they were mm-hmm. doing the year end shows that, that she was like participating and wrestling with Oedo Tai, but as her baby face persona, not as her karma alter ego. So it, it, it was just, it's very jarring. Like, I feel like she's having a personality crisis right now. Sorry, like, is she karma or is she uh, Haruko Umesaki? I mean, I like her, but it's just one of those things where it just it just felt unfair to her and unfair to other members on the roster or other potential outside opponents that, she, that Kamatani could have had at this biggest show of the year situation. Yeah, I mean, you said about how I think I'm, I think you've encapsulated that perfectly it was unfair on umasaki to put her in this position um when you had so many other options um if you're gonna pad saya's defense record obviously we know we're we're getting close she needs two more victories to surpass momo watanabe's um success uh, sorry successful title defense record i think you could have done something else with that i'm not saying don't put umasaki in a prominent position but i don't think it should have been here um matt what about you I love this match probably more than just about anybody. And let me give you a few reasons why. So this match, Sayakamatani came out, and I looked at my clock. It was 6 a.m. I was up at about 2 o'clock for the, to get ready for this show. And my dumbass decided to watch a good majority of AEW the night before. So I'm running on a little more than three hours of sleep. I am on holiday break, though. So it's like, yeah, it is oh, what it fine. is. And I'm like, I'm not making it through. I'm going to miss these two matches because I'm just – not that obviously I absolutely love the show up to this point, just physically exhausted. And then the match is going and they do this spot on the outside where uh, Misaki gets slammed off the top rope onto the apron. Mm. She could not have hit the other than hitting the back of her head. She could not have hit the apron any worse. She was better off missing the apron completely, seriously missing the apron completely. So this way she can at least take a full flat back bump. She hit that so fast, didn't have time to protect herself. And I thought, Ooh, this isn't good. This may end the match early. And the next spot, and you go back and watch it, is you see Sayakamatani zoomed in on, and she's going like this with her hand, meaning you're too close for the next spot. You need to back up. The camera pulls down, and Yumasaki is just standing right there. She can't barely move. And Saya goes, she jumps over and tried like an X Factor. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It got to a point where she kept going like this with her hand. It's at a point where it's like, now I got to do the spot because everybody's going to see through the magic trick. I got to do the best I can here. And then she's giving her time, giving her time. I'm thinking, this thing's going to go home early. Like, this thing's got to go home early. Sure enough, Yumasaki's able to gut it out. I don't know how much pain she was in. She clearly was in a lot there. Um, they were able to keep everything on course. And then once they're building towards the end of the match, and it just it might just be something with, like, the, 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 the wrestlers at Queen's Quest. The way they build their championship matches is just unbelievable. Like, it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And Yumasaki hits, like, a top rope um, double on her suplex, mm-hmm. gets a two count. Instead, and then she goes, she stays on her. 
And then she hits a Northern Lights two count. She hits a German two count. Like she doesn't like sell, like she just fires up. She goes for one after another. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. No wasted motion. And then she comes off the rope to go for something. Sai hits that big spin kick. Sai does her things. She hits the star crusher two count. She goes to the top rope for the 450. She missed, I mean, she ate everything on that 450. She came down hard on that mm. and good on her. Cause that puts over Yumasaki. Yumasaki does the Lamai straw cradle. She doesn't do one. She does two. And where she had her was dead center in the middle of the ring. And the way that she had her, the way that she was bridged up, there were people in that crowd. Again, go back and listen that bit on that finish. And nobody thought that Yumasaki was going to win. It just does a great job of Sai Kamatani selling, selling a finish, building up to a finish. So in, in regards to the psychology of the match, she kicks out at 2.99. Everyone, there were so many people that bid on that finish. Yumasaki has to stay on Saya because she's getting closer and closer and closer. She comes off the ropes. She gets hit with the Frankensteiner, her crown, whatever you want to call it. Saya grabs her leg. She's right in the middle of the ring. And I'm even thinking, I love the Star Crusher. I love the 450. I love the Phoenix Splash. This is where this match needs to end. And end at the perfect spot where Saya catches her again by using her experience and is able to get the three count. I had it just a shade under four and a half stars. I had it four and a quarter. I absolutely love this match. And again, again, considering the fact that 15 minutes before that, I was like getting ready to see the inside of my eyelids. And I was just so pumped for this way this match built. And well, and, and I was so concerned, obviously, for Yumasaki for that bump, but for her to gut it out and for her to for the two of them to build to that finish. One, I hope Yumasaki, I hope they sign her to a contract as well. Um Again, stay away from the karma stuff. You want to do it once every now and again on a showcase show, whatever. Um, it just goes to show you how just great Sai Kamatani is. The way that she was able to bring that, bounce that uh, match back from that early, what could have been an injury or maybe just getting hurt at the moment. And just the way that she put Yumasaki over towards the finish. Just genius. Sai Kamatani just wrestling. You think she's wrestling four years. You think she's wrestling 20. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Again, massive, massive improvement when you consider it. Um actual experience um i did enjoy the fact that she didn't even attempt the phoenix splash here and i do if they are building this into a storyline with saya regarding mina shirakawa and the injury and things and obviously she calls her out after the match and sort of offers her a rematch but when she's ready when she's shaking off that ring rust i do like the idea that saya is doubting herself and sort of doing everything she can to not hit the phoenix splash because she's worried about what damage it could do. Um, obviously, talking about Saya now, currently um, she's at 369 days with the championship. Um, so whilst when you hear this on the 3rd of January, she's going to be at 370 days tying with Arissa. So uh, she's second in terms of longest single championship reign. She is at the moment on 12 defenses, which is one behind Momo's 13. Um, it looks like she is going to go to um, 13 against Amisori. She called out Amisori post-match um, and basically named her the next challenger. Am I crazy? Surely the next person to challenge for this Y-belt after Amisori has to be Momo Watanabe. Am I just... that? It has to be, surely. Karen, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure, I'll go. Um, yeah, I feel like it's going to be Momo is going to circle back to her angst against Queen's Quest and do everything she can to stop 
Saya's streak because that's her record and that's what you know Saya's been very vocal about she wants to be she wants to become the name that's synonymous but she can't become the name that's synonymous with the belt without beating everybody associated with it including the longest the one who owns mm. the longest one running record which would be Momo going the fact that she has to that um Kamatani's defense against uh, Amisore is this coming Sunday for the white belt I feel like Again, to go back to the heart of uh, the Umisaki match, Umisaki could have been on this this match yeah. coming up. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And with they you. could have had a different opponent. And my but my other problem is that Amisori is currently the future of stardom champion. Mm-hmm. She's not losing that belt between now and then. Why is she in this position? I mean, I get that she wants to, you know, Kamatani wants to fight credible competitors, but on that same day, there is a stardom scramble that has the following participants, if I may. <laughs> Please do. Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, Koguma, Saya Ida, <laughs> Momo Kogo, Maika Himeka, Utami Hayashishita, Lady C, Miyu Amasaki, Ruaka, Shuri Mirai, and Yunamizamori. You, you know why this match is coming about, though, right? Because they she didn't beat her in the uh, the five star. The final night, they went to double count out. She's trying to, uh, she, she wants to get that win. I know, but it's, it, my, my problem is that I don't like it when there's the, the, the whole double belt thing coming into play because, mm-hmm. you know, Kamatani can't ever challenge for the future of Stardom Championship because she is more, obviously very much the future of the company. She's the present and now and omnipresent of the company. It's it's just the the timing is all off on it. Like, mm-hmm. had, had Ami not had the future belt right now, sure, fine, whatever. It, it's just the, I don't, I know what they're trying to do, but then it's the, well, where does... see momo losing that match i feel like it's gonna go to a time limit drawn i can't do a 30 minute saya kamitani match i like it when her matches are short (laughs) um i mean looking at the looking at the way it's laid out at the moment the schedule for stardom so amisori's match her title shot is going to be on sunday as we record so that means we've got osaka supreme fight in february um and that's the last pay-per-view. I mean, it won't be because it's stardom, which means we're going to have 700 pay-per-views in the interim. <laughs> but that's the the last big show before uh, the Yokohama Arena show. So uh, my impression is that the Osaka Supreme fight is where we're going to see Momo versus Saya. And then I think they will have Mina take the belt off Saya at uh, Grand Queendom at Yokohama. <laughs> What about March 4th, which is the finals of the Triangle Derby? Could you we have Sire in the finals? You could have Sire in we the have, finals. We have Sire in the finals, yeah. Yeah, we do, actually. That's a good point. Yeah, we do. That usually means it's not going to happen. Though, oh, that's so. a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very good point, yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, she could have... Again, I don't want to be disrespectful, but we were talking about how there's going to be a New Blood premium show which I'll be amazed if it's not a uh, if it's not a pay-per-view because isn't it a Yokohama Budokan or have I imagined that? It's um, a big venue. I yeah, I think it is Yokohama was, Budokan. I wouldn't be surprised if Saya has a, a smaller title defense there. I mean, that would have been perfect for Umasaki if we're being, uh, if we're being perfectly honest because um, I think that is, that's March as well. So that would have been a perfect spot for Umasaki. But I... <sighs> 
I don't think Saya leaves Yokohama as the champion. I I think if you're going to have Saya beat Momo's record, she needs to do it definitively. There's that great Correct. there's that great Jericho line and he says when you try and get everyone over, no one gets over. And I think if you are trying to protect everyone on your roster from losing, you are protecting no one because it ruins the entire mystique of your championship. If you try and protect Saya and Momo in that match, it just it feels like there's unfinished business by the time she's dropped the belt. Have her win definitively. I mean, I, I don't like being negative, but in my opinion, they missed the opportunity with Momo's turn. Momo's turn was the biggest thing coming out of Osaka Super Wars last year. And they didn't capitalize on it. She's not particularly hot at the moment. This is actually the perfect time for Saya Kamatani to beat her because, to be fair, Momo Watanabe can eat a loss and it's not going to do a great deal of damage to her. And to be perfectly honest, she's, you know, since she had the Y belt in 2019, pardon me, she hasn't really been heated up in the same way. So I hope it. I hope it doesn't go to a 30-minute draw, but that is more because I want Saya to do it definitively before she drops the belt. And I I do think she drops it to Mina. Um, I'll, Karen, do you think she drops it to someone else? The only other person I could realistically see her drop it to would be Starlight Kid, because that's mm. been the story they've been telling the last year plus, is that when it, when it comes time for Starlight Kid to actually have a match with Kamatani that matters, she can't do it. She can she can she can sneak a win in every now and then, but when there are stakes like the white belt, she can't do it. Mm. So if it's not Mina Shirakawa, it's more than likely going to be Starlight Kid. My- I I thought they were gonna do it with Mirai. They didn't do it with Mirai. I thought they were gonna do it with Natsupoi. They didn't do it with Natsupoi. <laughs> or Micah or Himeka. So Starlight Kid with as beloved and as like she is their marketing machine. I think she's actually sur- surpassed many of the other, you know, faction leaders in that regard wow. that you know she's not the leader she's not the leader of oedo tai but they use her for everything figurehead yeah i mean so to be perfectly it, honest she was a massive reason that oedo tai turned round from how negatively they were received at the start of 2021 her turn and subsequent sort of filling in for the injured torah that was a yeah. huge huge reason as to why oedo tai came about so strong towards the end of the year so that doesn't surprise me and i think she's embraced this heel turn really really well and also the fact that she's the only full-time masked wrestler mm. I, I mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk about you know i do love me some super strong starter machine and a giant <laughs> starter machine Damn right but but they are a uh, they are the uh outlier in this situation that by and large you do not see any other full-time masked wrestlers in stardom no. starlight kid like i feel like that's part of the reason why queen's quest did away with the masks mm. was to put more focus on starlight kids entrances and make it more important and make it feel like something much much more so yeah if not shirakawa it has to be starlight kid those are the only two so it's like does starlight kid win the cinderella tournament this year i don't know i'd like to see it happen though but i was wrong about that last year <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go Azumi again for the third time in three years. Just That'd be great. It's got to happen at one point, hasn't it? Um, Matt? Um, you know, old promoters saying when business is good, you don't take the belt off. You're in one of your top, one of your top draws unless you find somebody better. Obviously, we'll talk about Sherry and Julia. Um, 
I don't, I just, I mean, I could be wrong. I just don't see them taking the belt off Saya for at least a little bit. Um, if they do take the belt off her in the spring or summer, I hope it's to the Cinderella winner. It'll just mm. put that much more, you know, oomph on the Cinderella tournament. I see Mina. Um, I see that as a possibility. I see uh, Karen's idea there with Starlight Kid, especially how popular she is. And in my, and I'll, I'm going to ask this question uh, and I'll, I'll give an answer. What was your favorite Sayakamatani title defense? Mine was the Starlight Kid. Um, and the only other person I could see um, maybe dethroning Sai is Hazuki winning the Cinderella and Hazuki. So, uh, again, what would uh, your two favorite Sai Kamatani title defense up to this point be? Because there's been a lot of great ones. Go on, Karen. Oh, my, 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 mine's the Starlight Kid match. Because you yeah. could see how bad Starlight Kid wanted it. And, you know, as a wrestler in stardom that always, seemingly usually gets her way all the time since she's turned heel seeing the amount of frustration she has when it comes to Kamatani and Demayu is one of my favorite things. Her inability to, sur- to surpass <laughs> either of them is one of my favorite story lo- long-term storylines in stardom. At some point she need they need to pull the trigger on her and give her the white belt. Um for me, um there's been there's been two or three. I mean it's been a relatively good reign if we're being honest, isn't it? Um I I was a big fan of the Starlight Kid match. Um, huge fan of the Mirai match from Flashing Champions. I thought that was a really, really, really good title defense and just, you know, another feather in the cap for Mirai, who's had an absolutely stellar year this year. Um, but also, Tam Nakano at World Climax. Like, Ooh. It, it's a and year... Tommy- exactly it's a match because it happened so early in the year and that's the point the Natsupoy match at Cinderella Journey that was a really 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 good match and we talk about you know Karen's already mentioned Natsupoy we talk about people who you know have got this intrinsic link with the white belt Natsupoy's another one who could quite easily be the white belt champion it could you know it could have this long sort of journey towards that white belt she had it with tam and obviously there's the Kyrie influence she's lost to um Sayakamatani and with a little bit of work you can build that as well um but yeah for me it's uh it's probably the starlight kid match followed closely by the Mariah match um but not by much um let's move on to the main event the reason why people are listening to this podcast, um, the World of Stardom Championship match, Julia dethroning Suri 365 days into her reign to become the 15th World of Stardom Champion with the glorious Northern Lights bomb, as it's being put on the website, in 29 minutes and 51 seconds. Nine seconds short of a time limit draw. Um, what do you say about this match, um, Karen? I cannot say enough good things about this match. I, I, as as someone who is a massive Sherry fan, and as someone who, when Julia rolled up on the scene in 2019, I had some reservations. Mm-hmm. I had, I had a bit of frustration with the Hanakamura program, and then the bikini fight with Natsupoi, not Natsupoi, uh, Tam, Tam Nakano. Yeah. Good times. Um, but it was the, you know, they put the rocket on Julia when she first showed up, they gave her, you know, they gave her that, that hot feud with Hannah they gave her Don Del Mundo. She started bringing in everybody. And then like all of, you know, the pandemic happened. And then all of 2021 was all about Shuri's journey to the red belt. And it was like also, which coincided with Julia getting injured, Julia, you know, Julia being the reason they lost the goddess belts. And then like 
you know, prominence showing up and airing out all of Julia's like old ice ribbon laundry. And it was the Julia had to rebuild and then she got, you know, had to drop out of the five star. The way that their paths started, separated, reconverged was probably the best way to book it for both of them to be successful in stardom. Hmm. I feel like it had had it been flip flopped where Julia won the five star in 2021 and then would be be the one to dethrone Utami for the belt, it wouldn't have had this. It wouldn't have felt as important because of you know there really like she hadn't had that five star classic with Utami in 2021. It was Shuri, and you know she had gotten injured and she had to come back from that. She you know she lost members of, of Donna Dalmunda. She got new ones. And it was one of those things where it really fed into the story where, you know, they had that that first match at um, where Julia challenged Shuri the first time for mm-hmm. the at World Climax the first night. And it was the going into that match. They knew it was it was kind of like a breakup. Like you were like you knew that it had to be done, but neither of them wanted to do it. But in order for them both to succeed, it had to be done. Mm-hmm. And it was the, you know, at that point when Julia lost, it was all of a sudden she was put behind Shuri and she had to be the one to chase her. She had to go through the five stars. She had to do all of these different things. And it was the, by the time that that match came on, the entrances alone had me crying. And it was the moment where Shuri climbs on the rope during her entrance. And you just, there's this, again, talking about that great camera work. There was a shot of just Julia in the, in the corner of the frame looking at Shuri. And it was that moment where it was like, last year that should have been me like that 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 second that second like a second of a glance where it was just like you knew it was going to be time purely because i love shuri but she was looking looked like she was being held together with tape in that match quite like her back her shoulders her neck her knees like everywhere you looked it was like tape 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 tape. and i was just like i'm fine with them having a barn burner of a match but at the same time i'm just like I want Shuri to have a nice vacation like (laughs) i want to I, I, i want her to be like you have you know in losing that match nothing wrong with that you she put the company on her back when you know julia got injured Mm. they were tag champions but then you know julia had dropped out of the five star so it's one of those things where it was the julia had you know julia walked so sure he could run but now it's like it's more it's not so much a changing of the guard but more of a baton pass Mm. where it's the they they're on no no one looks weak looked weak in that match they, they they maybe went a little too hard <laughs> in certain Jesus. parts of that match, um, especially with one the throttling of her off the ramp into the audience. Oh my god! Where, they, they, where, where like half the roster cleared an entire section oh of chairs. Oh my god! And those chairs, I don't know if you've ever been on them. They oh. don't tip over very easily, and they're and they're not a very. They have probably a more durable frame than a standard steel chair. So it was the, she literally bounced off of that chair and I'm just like, oh God, she's going to feel that tomorrow. She's going to feel that tomorrow so badly because I've I've bumped into those chairs before when I was in Japan. <laughs> Two out of 10. I wouldn't recommend it to a friend neighbor <laughs> that I liked. And then the obligatory dangerous queen, Julia, doing a table spot. With the fact that we had the hardcore match earlier in the night with a table spot, I really didn't want to see a table spot in this match, mm. especially after the 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 the, the yeeting of Shuri <laughs> into 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 the audience. Oh, <laughs> it was the they they went much harder outside of the ring than they really needed to because the two of them can tell such a great story 
inside the ring mm. to the point where, you know, they're throwing not just their finish, each other's finishers at each other. They're throwing Micah's finisher in there. Oh they're throwing God, he make us. They, they were, that. they were just like pulling everything, every possible thing that they could think of to figure out how to throw the other person off on their game. Mm. And then, you know, when it finished, it was more of the, I didn't feel any sense of loss. No, it was the Shuri did everything she can. And if you look back at her year, she had a great year. I, I can't look at any of her matches that she had as, as a champion and say, this was a bad match because every single match was a great match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it gave me, and it made me very, made me very optimistic as to what Julia will do with the belt. Yeah. And I think that breathing time between her having that, that good run with the wonder belt, you know, losing her hair, losing it all, coming back even stronger, working her way back up with the, with the, the goddess tag belt. Like it was, it was the story they needed to tell Julia to make her journey to the red belt feel less forced upon. Mm. It, it just, it, it, it bookended their journey together in a very positive way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Matt, I believe your exact words to <laughs> me were, I stood up and clapped at the end of that match. And it, <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning, I bet your wife absolutely loved you for that. It was seven, it was closer to seven thirty, oh, and I okay. think she was close to getting up. And I cried, <laughs> and I told you I will admit that on the you podcast. Did, yeah. you did. Literally, when they raised both their hands, because even though Julie our Sherry took the pinfall, the ref raised both of their hands, symbolizing mm-hmm. that really, again, it's not who who get who goes over, who gets over. These two got over massively here. I literally stood up in my living room, running on about three and a half hours of sleep, where I thought an hour and a half earlier I was going to fall asleep. I was wired to the gills. I literally stood up in my living room, of course, by my, well, I think one of my cats was there, regardless. Uh, and I cried <laughs> tears of joy because this thing was absolute masterpiece. The way I had somebody, uh, some one of my friends asked me, explain to me like what this match was. And to me, like if they were putting together this match, like Sherry and Julia are in the room putting together this match and like the ghost of Antonio Noki walks in and he's like, put this and this and this in because you had a lot of that old school, new Japan, strong style, fighting spirit mm-hmm. style. And then after that, the ghost of giant Baba comes in. Cause you had a lot of that all Japan Kings road in this match. Holy geez. And then the ghost of Mitsuhara Masawa walked in. Cause you had a lot of that again, Kings road and the Royal road style of the Noah style. Uh, and then it just melded together. Um, yeah. Like Karen said, the, uh, I mean, Sherry was, we saw going into the five star, she was held together with duct tape and bubble gum. And there were some matches in the five star where she kind of pumped the brakes a little and you understood why and there were some matches. She went like really, really hard. This match still would have been one of the greatest starter matches of all time without those two crazy spots on the outside. Shuri taking that bump just to double, just to make sure the unselfishness of her, just to make sure to get Julia over in this match. And I understand what Karen's saying. You didn't need to do that table spot. Well, you kind of did if you're going to do that once. But if you're going, if Sherry's like, look, I'm going to take this spot at the same time, then you're going to take something on the outside. We have to come together on the outside and do crazy spots. You have to get one and I have to get one. That's kind of just how it goes. If, you know, if you're not going to do either of them, that's fine. Then that doesn't happen. But when they got to the table, you knew Julia's eating because you had to flip it. And then they're building, building, building towards the finish. And I, we did make mention, we did the, make the preview, or we did the, the preview that uh, on these big title defenses that Sherry's using the Vermilion World, her nuclear finish, to win matches. She beat Utami with it with the belt the year earlier. She beat Utami in the rematch a few months ago. 
Uh, she's beaten Tam with it. You know, she's beaten so many people with it. She hit it clean as a whistle in the middle of the ring. Julia kicks out. Mm. And then we start building. She even tried to attempt it off the top rope. I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, obviously, it started with really good technical wrestling, really good one and twos back and forth. And then even when they were building towards the King's Road finish, there was a bunch of back and forth, like close, like old school Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, NWA style. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. So we threw that in there as well, as if we didn't get enough. Um, and then Julia, she hits the glorious driver and then she hits the uh, Northern Lights bomb. Same, pretty much the same combination she put Tam away with at the five star. She even did like the same exact pin where she put her entire back on her. I'm glad this is audio, our visual. Uh, she puts, <laughs> look at that, look, look, look at the Stardom Cast logo right there. Look at that. Well, unbelievable. What a shill. Uh, but she even did the same pin. And then she kicked out and Julia's like, what? That's what I used to beat Tam in like the biggest match of my career. What's it going to take? So then she goes and she hits the Ankatoshi from Micah. She tries to hit the concussion bomb, but you can see Julia's exhausted. And let me tell you, folks, when you get to the depth parts of a match, you have muscle fatigue and then you have just being blown up. Muscle fatigue is so much harder to get back from because once you're muscle fatigued, like you're done for at least like three or four hours. So what does Julia do to do in between moves? She kicks Shuri square in the head as humanly possible and then hits the concussion bomb, making the her muscle fatigue even more, like you even built it up. So I'm like, oh my God, she's going through all the Donald Del Mundo moves. Then she starts climbing to the top rope. And I'm like, who from DDM goes off the top rope? I'm like, oh my God, if she goes for the elbow drop. And even if she misses, <laughs> Rob will never live this down. That's what I thought she was going for. I'm not the even, I'm like, oh my God. Elbow drop. I'm like, oh my God, is she going to go for the elbow? But then she does the, what we, we deemed in the Ring of Honor Dojo, the Joshi style dropkick, that flat back dropkick. And I was like, I don't understand where she's going with that. And then she hits the Tiger Lily, which is Hana Kimura's finishing move sequence. Hana would hit the, the Joshi style dropkick and then the Tiger Lily. And then uh, she kicks out. She goes for the Northern Lights bomb again. Shuri reverses it, long darts her into the turnbuckle. And then she goes for the, and then she hits her with the straight jacket German suplex. A lot of people saying, well, she was going to Natsupoy there. My understanding, the way that I looked at it was Shuri was using everything to beat Julia it wasn't really the Natsupoy straight jack and German suplex. She was going to the GOAT, the greatest red belt champion of all time, EO. EO won a lot of, we've covered it before on the Patreon, Rob. EO won a lot of matches with that straight jacket mm-hmm. German. She hits that, can't get it. They go back and forth again. And then not only does she, you hear the countdown going. So not only does Julia have to beat the most dominant champion in wrestling this past year, sorry, Roman Reigns, uh, but she also <laughs> has to beat the clock as well. And then she just hits this disgusting hammerlock northern lights bomb that puts poor sherry right on her head you get the the fatic three count with what nine seconds left Mm -hmm. sherry does the great thing she puts the belt on her she's crying julia's crying i'm crying folks this is wrestling at its absolute best i'm breaking the melter scale five and a half stars match of the year let's go unbelievable even to the point where i text you and i know you're on your way to vacation wasn't going to ruin it for you i said stay off twitter the show was solid there was one match on the show i didn't tell you what it was of course you figured it out within about a half a second (laughs) that is and i think i even deemed it to you it's like one of the top 25 or 30 best matches i've ever seen in all Mm. of wrestling i didn't want to tell you how i really felt because i didn't want to spoil it or build it up too much because sometimes i do that um, but I'm going to tell you right now, as far as the greatest matches in stardom, number one is Mayu versus EO, uh, end of the year climax, 2016, yep. right behind there, Thunder Rock defending against Mako Satomaro and Kyrie. 
And right behind there is this match. This is wow. my third favorite starter match I've ever seen. And again, I, and I was serious. If you had to give me a pen and paper and said, Matt, you have two hours and you're 35 plus years of watching, studying wrestling. Give me your top 25, 30 matches of all time. This match is definitely on there. Definitely on there. I don't know what more I need to say. I mean, it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> this match had the graps. Um, I mean, there's very little that I can add that Karen and Matt haven't already said and summed up in far better way than I ever could. Um, but there was one moment in this match where, and it was just before Julia went into the sequence where she was hitting the Donna Del Mondo moves, which in itself was excellent because it was a kind of a, like a, almost like a little tour of where they'd been together. And I just, that, that little bit on its own was just beautiful. And they were there. Yeah. They and they were, were there by the side. Yeah, absolutely. But there was a moment where Julia stood up and Suri was sort of stood there and Julia was sort of fumbling around Suri as though she wasn't quite sure what sort of move or what to lock in where. And that was such a perfect encapsulation of, I have thrown absolutely everything at this woman. I don't know what to do next. I'm exhausted. You mentioned muscle fatigue, Matt. I literally do not know what I have to do to put Suri away. And that momentary sort of confusion and self-doubt, I loved it. Because it encapsulated the entire roller coaster of drama and emotion that these two effortlessly weaved into this beautiful narrative. I mean, I talked earlier about the carrying the Utami match, that there wasn't one moment of wasted motion. And in 29 minutes and 51 seconds, there is not one moment of this match, one second of this match, one move in this match that isn't used for a specific purpose whether it's sort of a one-upmanship. And I think it's helped as well by the fact that they don't hate each other. It's not a visceral hatred. It's a respect and a friendship. And that moment where you've got God's eye in the ring, you've got Donna Del Mondo in the ring, you've got everyone in tears. It's such a catharsis to finish 2022 on. And these two women honestly put on a match that I did not expect. I expected it to be hard-hitting. You know, I didn't expect the, as Karen so wonderfully put it, yeeting Suri into the... (laughs) (laughs) Literally into the chair. Honestly, I'm watching it going, Jesus Christ, she's not going to be able to walk. Um, And this was like, it was only about six minutes into the match as well. Um, You expect those big spots in a championship match. But the emotion they managed to layer into it, the peaks and valleys they managed to layer into it, the, the exhaustion, and not just mental exhaustion, but literally exhausting their own arsenal to the point where they're standing there going, I don't know what else to throw at you. And just that desperation, I loved it. I mean, I think I said it in my book about how the Utami Suri match from Tokyo Dream Cinderella was the easiest five stars I've ever given to a match this isn't far behind it because in terms of pure emotion, pure drama, there are very few matches that have hooked me in for the entire match as much as this one did. I absolutely loved it. Gave it five stars. 
what else is there left to say? It's perhaps the greatest match in stardom. It's certainly in the conversation for the top three, certainly. And I know it was, I know Meltzer gave it four and three quarter stars and it's one person, it's subjective and all that, <laughs> all that sort of jazz. But, oh, big Dave. <laughs> oh, big Dave. What did he give the elite this week? Oh, exactly. That's what I want to know. Yes, exactly. I think the same. I think, I think they put, were the same. Yeah, it was you, the same. I was like, Oh, yeah, really? yeah, no. Exactly. Great match, but no, this year, you, yeah. you, you put Kenny Omega um, in that match as a three-way, and it's a five-star match. But in all seriousness, I I prefer this to the Utami and Suri match. And that's nothing against that match. I love that match. I revisit it so often, it's unreal. I, I preferred this match. And what? Oh. Okay. Sorry. One of the things that also stood out because you were talking about visuals and their history is that when they had the the pre-show um, or pre-match of VTR, mm. you you saw Julia cornering for Shuri last year at Dream Queen or two yes. years ago at Dream Queendom, yeah. and all of Donna Del Mundo being in the ring with her and like you know helping her out after that, carrying her to the back, and then you know you talked about after this match, it was all of Donna Del Mundo and God's Eye. They, they weren't they weren't like pulling julia and sherry apart they were all just there yeah absorbing the last year together and it, and it was you know very very cathartic in that in that sense and but for me what like i, I was already broken at that point with julia like <laughs> reaching for sherry's hand and like, grabbing it at the very end but when sherry like god bless her like you know muscle fatigue and all like he climbs up the, the side of the referee and takes the belt and puts it around J- julia's waist it was the the, the caption that um, Shuri used when she p- posted the picture the next day was, "I've I've I, I've left it onto Julia. I've I've passed her the stardom legacy onto Julia, and that that could not better summarize their journey together. And it was it was just one of those things where it's the honestly when I for post literally like the day after I was on the uh, Smackdown show and they're like, give it, give us the dirty about, uh, about Julia versus, uh, Sherry. And I'm like, you want to match of the year contender at the last three days of 2022? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's your match contender of the year. And I feel like more, I, it, it bums me out to know that they weren't given five stars on it, honestly, because yeah, it was such an, it had everything. And then some, especially with the history between the two of them in the last year and a half. I think we're all in agreement that as far as the Shuri run goes, uh, three sixty five. This is this is the best match, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? As far as successful title defenses go, what would you say would be your favorite match from this run? Uh, ladies first, Karen. What? What? what oh, would your... you, yeah. I, I haven't given it much thought, to be honest. I'm just um, throwing out because then I'm going to throw another question out there without uh, even giving you time to think. Because that's I mean, what I do. I don't want to go with Utami because Utami, like their forever rivalry is something special and you know after this dream queendom julia and everything that she said to shuri after the match was also very special putting those two aside (laughs) it's really hard for me to pick one but it's the i feel like and this might be out of left field i i really liked the risa sarah match oh okay Largely because it was Shuri reminding Risa that she was a wrestler before she was a hardcore fighter. Mm. And that it was the one at that point in time, I was still not very sold on prominence being in stardom, to be honest. Yeah. I, I didn't like that they were, you know, you know, peddling their wares in my stardom as it were. 
um, because I felt like the story with with prominence was largely supposed to be circulating around Julia, mm. not bringing not not dragging you know Don, uh, God's Eye and Sherry and all that into the, the Julia drama arc of the story. Um, I mean, her Mayu match was great. I loved the Himeka and the Mika matches. It's just like there's just so many of them. The Tam one it, was very good too. The, the Tam one was a great one. It's just the had I been given more time to prepare for this question, <laughs> Matthew. I good. I'm gonna throw you another one too. Oh, but, son uh, of a biscuit. I'm gonna throw you, but I'll go first. But uh, Rob, you can give your answer. I'll throw the next question, but I will answer that question to give you a little bit of buffer. Rob, my good friend, what uh, as far as successful title defenses go, well, which one? Which is great. There's no wrong answer. That's what's great no, about there this. Is there's no, no wrong answer. answer. Um, which is great because I've had time to think about it whilst that Karen was answering. Um, Jerk. Mine's a Maya match. Um, I, and I know that was sort of seen as the lesser match after the Julia one the night before, but I love that match. I, I've watched it, I think, four times now, and I've loved it more and more. The limb work, just the visceral agony that Mayu is in and the way that the referee stops this match is just it's the perfect thing it's the perfect sort of if you said what is Suri as a wrestler and then you watch a match at Yokohama Cinderella in 2020 and then look at the full circle she comes to in World Climax where she utterly destroys the icon of stardom literally has her screaming on the mat it's just the perfect encapsulation of a rain. I thought it was a fantastic match. Yeah, to the shock of no one, I'm gonna agree with you with you, as always, my friend. Yeah, I mean the Utami one is right there as well. The yeah, Tam absolutely. one, uh when Tam Momo Watanabe that... was another great one. Yeah. yeah. Tam, I like, forgot violence... about that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you, the, you know why? Because the... that before that was Starlight Kid and Saya Kamatani. Like what a great oh, one two punch. Yeah, that was yeah. a really that good show. show, yeah. But yeah, I will uh I will agree with you, my good friend. And then um last next uh last question is and i will answer first to give both of you uh time to think as far as red belt runs go where does this rank in all-time red belt runs uh obviously you know what i'll say number one is rob you know what i'm gonna say the eo EO, EO, her second one uh then as far as what's number two you ask me on a different day it's this it's utami and the mayu 2019-2020 even though it was only five successful title defenses Mm. because of COVID. Every one of those matches, even the match she beat B, B Priestley and the match she loses to Utami, those are all like four and a half to five star matches. So this is like two, but it's like tied with Utami and Mayu. But obviously, again, the EO, her second run, the V14, is my all time favorite run. Not only in stardom, but it's one of my all time favorite championship runs just ever. So, Karen, to give, I'll give you, since you're the guest here and you're already mad at me, but don't worry, you're going to feel better about me. You're going to feel better about me in two minutes, I promise. Uh, I will get Rob. Go ahead. Uh, give Karen some time. Where does this? Again, there's no wrong answer. Um, well, if you go to stardomcast.com and look at the uh, championships, but you've got an My in-depth championship, uh, championship histories as well as all the tournaments. Um, but I'm just looking at it now. I mean, EO's V14 run is fairly lauded, but you look at Suri's 10 defenses and... There's not one I haven't absolutely loved. Like, I'm looking at, like, the Mirai one at Nagoya Supreme Fight was really good. Even the Nene Takahashi one, which everyone was a little bit like, "Mm, really? Nene in the red belt picture? Okay. Even that was really, really good. And Utami's is the same. Utami was one of those where she just knocked it out of the park. 
with whoever she was in the ring with, like B Priestley, Saika Matani, you know, people were like, oh, really? They're Red Bull matches? And they were without without exception, fantastic matches. The Hazuki match from Kawasaki Super Wars, mm-hmm. which is still to this day one of my favorite matches of 2021. The pair of matches with Micah, I'd argue that Io Shirai's run is fantastic, but there is the odd match in the Io run, which there will be at 14 title defenses, where, you know, the Casey Owens one, for example, or the Kaylee Ray one's great, but it's, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, but in my opinion, the Suri one, there is not a bad match in that entire run. So I'm going to sit on the fence. And if EOS is 1A, this is 1B. There you go. Miss Karen? That, that was, those are two very astute observations, gentlemen. Thank you. And for me, <laughs> of course, EO is synonymous with the Red Belt. Mm. Let's be honest. You you can't. She's... To my knowledge, still the longest reigning consecutive yeah. world of stardom champion. And yeah, like she's that's her belt. I until somebody clears 15 defenses, it's gonna be very hard. But while EO's synonymous with the belt in that sense, when it comes to names that have consistently elevated the championship, Shuri and Utami. Mm are definitely that one, either that number, that 1.5 slash number two spot. Yeah. Because their reigns in the last two years, their matches have put Stardom's name on the international radar. Mm. Yeah. Like people have been talking about, you know, you know, the, the 40, the, the five, five star 43 minute Utami Shuri match. People have been talking about the, you know, uh, Utami's match against Takumi Iroha. Like there, there are there are their defenses, especially in the last two years, have made drawn more eyes to stardom as the world champion without ever stepping foot outside of Japan. Mm. Yeah, we, good point. We have been spoiled having these two runs consecutively. Absolutely, and, and Mayu before it. And Mayu before it, absolutely. That considering it was only five defenses, like there was no again, no bad matches in that run. You know, Rob, I always say when it comes to title matches, you always want to bookend it. Mm-hmm. You know, you always want to win the belt in a great match and lose the belt in a great match. Obviously, we talked at nods of how great that match was that she lost the belt with Julia. You want to read about how great her match was that she won the belt. Folks, turn to page 315. <laughs> of Sardom Living the Dream by my good friend, Rob Goodwin. Now, we, Thanks, Rob, man. as you know, we have new listeners. Absolutely, my friend. As you know, we have new listeners every week on this show, and we thank we you. Do. So I know a lot of people are probably saying, boy, you guys are really putting over Sherry. I read somewhere in Pro Wrestling Illustrated, she was the number <laughs> one rated female wrestler of the year. And I You might say, say absolutely, that. Absolutely she was. <laughs> absolutely she was. And you may say, you know what, Matt? Like, I I just wish that maybe we can get an interview from her from somebody uh, you know like in English and, and we we they're actually in this magazine there is somebody that does the interview and it's actually somebody on this podcast one Miss Karen Peterson so I highly it's a great interview I'm such a huge fan of your work Karen as you know I put you over all the time I thank uh, you so if much. you're a Stardom fan and you must be if you're two hour two and a half hours into this uh, go and get this issue Karen has does a phenomenal job 
with this you. magazine. She and does. I'm going to make a prediction and then put something out there that I want to see happen. I think with as long as um, we, we never obviously you never want to see this happen to anybody. As long as there's no injuries, uh, I believe Julia this time next year will be the number one uh, PWI number one. Um, for next year, Women's Wrestler of the Year, especially with the string of challengers she has coming up. Mm-hmm. And I want to put that out there. If that does happen, which I think it will, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, let's have Karen Peterson back on it again. Let's have her interview Julia, who I believe will be the number one wrestler uh, this time next year. Absolutely. For those who are listening to the audio version, my camera is off for this particular recording because I'm not feeling too hot. And thankfully, that's a good thing because I am as red as a beet right now. I am the red belt red right now. <laughs> I am so incredibly flattered and I'm so thankful that you put me over like that. Um, Also, I just want to throw a little sidebar. When I was in Japan, the day I went to Gold Rush in Osaka, Stardom received their copies of that issue and the girls were so thrilled about it. So it it was just, it was a very important moment for me because the PR team was like, we got the issues of PWI. And like, they pulled one out of the box and the sound that came out of me, I was just like, this is the wildest thing. It's, it's one, I I mean, I had already had an issue and I had brought it with me, but to see it like in Japan at the stardom show with the stardom staff, I was like, oh my God, this is so wild. That's amazing. So thank you. you. If you can find it in the wild, please send me a picture of it because I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Because it was very. If you remember when I was giving Rob his cheap plug when we went when you were on here the first time for Star Crossover, I couldn't find the issue anywhere. And I'm like, okay. if I have to eBay it, I'll eBay it. And I wind up finding it at a random Walmart that I was in twice in the last seven days, and it was the only one left. And there was a lady there putting away magazines. She even said when I grabbed it, she goes, you know, we don't sell a lot of print stuff because everything's digital now. She goes, but for some reason, when it comes to wrestling magazines, that one has sold out the fastest. Just yes! wanna let you know. Sorry. That oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I am yes. I, I bring am. more positivity. No, honestly, Absolutely. Karen, we can't that we can't thank you enough. <laughs> really, we can't thank you enough. We would have never uh, asked you to be on the show if we didn't love your work. When I told Rob Absolutely. when I so when I met you at the um the New York City show. And he's like, oh, you should ask her to be on the show. Like, oh, yeah, I already, yeah, I already sent her an email. Yeah, it's already, we're, we're working on it. So, uh, you know, I, I thank you for coming on for the first time and the second time. And hopefully thank you'll come back us. soon. Um, hopefully we didn't go too, too long and bore you to death here. So <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. It's, it's a lovely sunny day here in Orlando, Florida. And I'm just here glad to be talking stardom with uh, two of my close personal friends now. So, oh, thank you. Oh, I love coming on this. I love coming on this. What a great way to start the year, brother. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, Year, Karen. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Um, Thank you guys for listening and sticking around. Uh, You know, two hours and 40 minutes. Did not think it was going to be this long, but, you know, I've loved talking to you both about, you know, a fantastic show with an absolutely unbelievable main event. So thank you both. Um, the guys in the podcast realm uh, will be back at some point this week, five o'clock British standard time on Friday. We'll be talking about the inaugural uh, triangle Derby, the opening night of that, as well as previewing what will be the show main evented by Saya and Amisori for the white belt. So me and Matt will be back for that. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening don't forget to get your votes in for the stardom cast awards check out our twitter it is pinned to our uh, news feed so please go and check that out you can uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts if you would like 
because that would really help us out. It would massively help us out. Question mark? Yeah, question mark. Um, <laughs> you can also subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Starnumcast. Check out the website, www.thestarnumcast.com as well for loads and loads of in-depth stuff on stardom for those who are potentially new to the promotion and don't know where to start um karen where can they yeah. find you plug all of your things uh well if you're interested in my japanese wrestling journey you can head on over to postwrestling.com and search up my name karen peterson i largely do coverage for stardom on their big shows i also have a column Formerly known as Dream Slam Weekly, but it is now going to be Dream Slam Monthly, which will come out at the end of each month. And I'm also doing more Pro Wrestling Noah and New Japan coverage for posts as well. So my next event, of course, will be Wrestle Kingdom 17, 17 hours of wrestling for an Antonio Inoki on this coming Wednesday. <laughs> and if you're into the whole Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine vibe, I do, you know, do some work there as well. Um, if you want to follow me at twitter instagram twitch and youtube at hey karen sensei and yeah that's it <laughs> thank you very much don't forget you can follow the podcast at the stormcast on all of our social medias thank you very much uh, matt plug your stuff sign us off my friend Everyone, thank you so much for hanging with us for, uh, it's getting close to three hours now. Greatly appreciate it. Greatly, I speak on behalf of uh, myself and Rob. Thank you so much for a phenomenal 2022. And I know uh, 2023 is going to be even better. We appreciate your support. Any questions, comments, anything I can do to help you out, just let me know. Matt Turner, OF, on the Instagram and the Twitter. Social media is not your thing. I completely understand. Hit me up on the email, thestardomcast22 at gmail.com. Like I always say, folks, just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all in this together and everybody's different. Everybody's special. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.